Yo, what's up, guys and gals? Tonight's Gravity Lab Radio can be brought to you by you. Uh, by you, what do I mean? Actually, right now we are uh, looking for a new computer. The uh, computer we use to uh, upload the video, to stream to Facebook Live, to actually record the video was never meant for video purposes. We actually are using one of my office computers. So we really need to upgrade. We need something with a little bit better processor, something moving a little bit faster to render some video. And uh, actually that will help, A, keep the show running smoother, keep the video broadcast version going better. Uh, maybe just maybe we'll start streaming it to YouTube and other places like that. So if you have a company, if you have a business and you build computers and you are interested, give me a holler. Hit me up, Monty at GravityLabRadio.com. I would love to sit down and talk with you, maybe uh, talk about a little work exchange, maybe doing a little advertising on the show. Not sure, but uh, hit me up. For real, though, tonight's Gravity Lab Radio is brought to you by Option Studios. Option Studios makes a pro jersey. They recently made our newest jersey, the Gravity Lab Radio jersey. Uh, we do have gray and white, not in all sizes. Some of the uh, colors have already sold out. You can check out our Instagram or our Facebook page to uh, see those jerseys. Hit us up. Give me a holler if you want to buy one of those. But we thank Option Studios. Killer job with graphic design and killer job designing a jersey. Uh, Option Studios has been running for quite a long time, primarily a graphic design company. But they've made a lot of things over the years, wind blades, pull-up cords, banners, etc. And over the last uh, year and a half or so, broke into the jersey business and have designed some of the best jerseys on the market. Absolutely love them. Articulated shoulders. As you raise your arms, your jersey doesn't pull up, so it stays where it belongs in free fall. Vented sides so it doesn't balloon. They're the most comfortable jerseys I have, and I've got a bunch of them. So uh, thanks to Adam Buckner and Option Studios for making the best. Also brought to you by Velocity Sports Equipment. Velocity Sports Equipment is the maker of the Infinity Rig. By far my favorite rig. It is the most comfortable rig I've ever owned and I've ever jumped. I've had a bunch of different rigs. I uh, like them all, man. Really, there's a lot of good skydiving gear on the market today. But I love the contour joke. Infinity was real early to making an ergonomically correct rig, a rig that fit, a rig that contoured. They uh, yoke wraps around you, makes it super comfortable. The leg straps, they are curved leg straps, are made to actually uh, fit around the contour of your leg, but they still keep a nice wide footprint to make it super comfortable. Infinity is the most comfortable rig you'll ever put on. I think you'll love it. I think you'll like it. They're also super customizable. You can hit up uh, Blake at Infinity. He'll help you out. He'll help you put your, your order together. Uh, mention Gravity Lab Radio when you're ordering your new Infinity, and they will give you a free mesh back pad upgrade. Uh, tonight, guys and gals, we are talking to Veronica Wolf. Veronica is a good friend, known her for about six years now, skydiver, massage therapist. I uh, actually uh, dove in a little bit into massage therapy and a little bit talk about massage on the show and di didn't expect it to go there. Uh, we cop a little bit about skydiving and a real interesting conversation about uh, canopy flight at the end. Hope you guys and gals enjoy. I'm the target of a meat mess with 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You are listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and Nicholas Lodge. Produced by Justin Grubbs. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Gentlemen. And lady. 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 Veronica Wolf, how are you doing, Missy? I'm doing really good. Thank you for having me. Man, what was that sound? Is it the sound of... <gasps> Cracking open a beer for the special occasion. But not just a beer. Tell us what it is. This is a Hopadillo IPA. 
Yeah, you're not just going to like a light beer. You're going to an IPA. I don't know what that means. That's impressive. It means you don't drink water. You drink beer. I don't drink beer often either. But if I do, I want something substantial. I want something that tastes like a beer. Is this turning into a Dos Equis commercial? <laughs> the most interesting <laughs> man. Commercial. Three of those would get me wasted, so I want to see how many it'll take you. One. Three three of these? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know after one how we're feeling. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen him have more than one drink yet, so we're going to see what happens. I did actually have two shiners when I think Momfi was here as our guest. Okay. And I was I was at the desk over there. Man, who did we have recently, uh, last week? Uh, whoever it was. Francisco? I was Francisco? Francisco. I was not paying attention when I was pouring my scotch, and it was more than a strong double. <laughs> and I'm, I'm okay with that, but when you're not expecting to drink so much booze and you realize, holy shit, what did I just do? <laughs> I was caught up real quick, and that's most of my alcohol consumption in a week is, is this show. Did the conversations get weirder? Weirder? Well, they usually get the weirdest before we start recording, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> I, I've often, I've often thought about having the the computer record the audio that we just shoot the shit about, and then archiving <laughs> it, not not producing it, not putting it out there, and then using it for blackmail in the future. <laughs> oh my god, bloopers! I, I think the show's pretty unfiltered, pretty uncensored. I think it's pretty much almost anything goes. We'd both be divorced if we played the <laughs> stuff before this. Can you can you tell me the rules? Yes. <laughs> Those wait, are wait. the rules. What? The rule. what? <laughs> rules of the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, you do whatever. Why you can't you say? You can say whatever well, you we want. We don't care. I think the rules that we have are built more around trying to respect the person in your seat <laughs> and not say anything that that you wouldn't be comfortable with. Because I I think I mean for anyone that's listened to an, enough of the show, I'm sure that we've pretty much incriminated ourselves to to most things. Yeah. Yeah, if if you if you listen enough, you probably know us well enough that if if you took us serious at some point, we're probably racist, sexist, bigot, bigots, uh, drug addicts, flunkies, murderers. If you, if you took us serious, I never killed a guy, Mama. But have you thought about it? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> thought about it since I've been in this room. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, you'll never know. You can try, motherfucker. Hey, there's that whispering <laughs> thing. Does it work for you? Uh, Are you aroused? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Hold on. You, what's this acronym? Do you guys remember? ASMR? ASMR. Yeah. So you, were you here for this? No, mm. she hadn't shown up yet. Oh, that's right. I was whispering in your ear so as she showed ASMR, up. So ASMR, Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. So this has become like this thing on the internet where dudes will listen to videos of like women whispering in the, in their ears, and they use like 360 sound. So it really, you know, you're only hearing it through your left ear, so it really feels like someone's there whispering, and then it's all these weird light noises and, like, crumpling paper and just weird shit. And I've never, I've, I know what it is, because I saw it talked about on a, a some episode of a Netflix special, but I've never listened to it because I'm terrified that it appeals to me, <laughs> that, like, I'm going to become one of these weirdo addicts that the sh- that show is about. So I've steered clear. And what's wrong with being one of these weirdo addicts? I don't want to be sitting at work thinking about how I can't wait to go home and listen to <laughs> YouTube videos of girls whispering shit. <laughs> That's what I don't want to do. You just take it that far. So Veronica Wolf is our guest tonight. <laughs> We're going to get go, go from Nick. Solid <laughs> intro. Creepy, <laughs> creepy obsession here. Um, That's a creepy, not obsession. I could see you like creeping around the drop zone afterwards, trying all these different tones of whisper. See which one works. 
no, I don't want to whisper to you. I want people to whisper to me. Strangers on the internet. Yeah, but how long is it going to take until you start whispering? How long did it take for you to sit in that seat until I whispered something inappropriate? (laughs) (laughs) Eight (laughs) seconds? (laughs) (laughs) Now you understand why I'm worried. That shit's right up my alley. (coughs) Weird. (laughs) (laughs) Veronica is a uh, friend of ours. We've known you for, uh, God... Eight years? 2013. 2013. So about six years or so now, uh, you have traveled as a skydiver. You've traveled all over the world, not just as a skydiver, but just as a person uh, exploring. Uh, you bring a couple different perspectives. You are a female skydiver, which my favorite skydivers happen to have <laughs> boobs. Um, Hank. <laughs> oh, rude. I, is Hank not one of your favorite skydivers? He is, but it's not because of his Beautiful boobs. And he has boobs. <laughs> so I'm not saying there's anything wrong, just saying those are two facts that work <laughs> together for me. Um, uh, female skydiver, you've worked in the sport. You've actually even tried tandems, found it wasn't your cup of tea, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's one thing I want to talk with you about tonight is, is so many people are forced to do things in the sport they don't want to do, and that's how they quit unless they recognize it first and say, let me make my changes. So I, I want to hit on that as well. Uh, but what have you been up to lately? Um, so I've actually, is this good? Yeah, a little closer. A little closer. Okay. So I've actually changed, changed my life quite a bit from what I've been doing for almost 12 years. I think this March would have been 12 years of skydiving. And since I started skydiving, I've been packing. Like, I mean, I've been working in the sport. I started packing right away for my very first jump. And so I've been working in the sport since. So it's kind of weird for me to step away and do something else, but it's actually been exactly what I need, I think. What are you doing now? I really um, no so clue. I'm using my degree. Uh, I'm a massage therapist. I work at a spa, this really awesome spa in Banff, Alberta, Canada. Uh, it's called Cedar and Sage. And I don't know. I really, really like it. It's completely different than everything else I've ever done. And I know you, you regularly would do massages while you were here in town for people. Mm-hmm. But I, that's what you're doing full time now. Full time. So I had no idea if I was going to like it, but I, I think I love it. Yeah. yeah. What is it? What what draws you to massage? Uh, I I actually really like massage to me is almost like molding and folding a body. Like you actually feel the difference under your fingertips. Mm-hmm. You could feel the tone of the muscle changing. You could feel it relaxing. Um, you could even tell in the person as they walk away. Like I've actually had a couple of experiences where people cried because of the release. And I've only learned about this in school, but it's is super unique. Like, you actually connect with people in a really interesting way. Is that kind of like a massage orgasm, crying? I mean, I really, it's a complete emotional release. Perhaps. I have never felt it myself, but maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe not as good as, maybe. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, does it seem like a happy cry or a sad cry? It's like, I think it's a happy cry. Like, it looks like they just release a lot of emotions because we carry all of our stress in our neck and shoulders. That's just where humans carry stress. Mm-hmm. And so when that is released, it's like the first time they could actually feel better about something they couldn't even control that they were holding on to. Or nor do you realize you could control it. So what, what sort of uh, people are coming to this place? <laughs> uh, most of them are couples. We get a lot of couples massages. A lot of them are people, tourists that come to visit Banff. And so basically everyone's on vacation. There, everyone's right? on vacation. A lot of them go skiing or snowboarding for the first time and forever. And they'll spend days up there and their calves hurt, their legs hurt, their arms hurt, their shoulders hurt. A lot of them come from desk jobs. 
So they carry lots of stress. Most of it is <laughs> always in their neck and yeah. shoulders, though, like 90%. But it's cool because you could actually feel the difference that you make when you're making it on a person. So you're just, I don't know, kind of changing a person every single day, and that's kind of cool. So you would say that these are people who are uh, in need of massage but maybe not exposed to the opportunity all that often? Yeah. So wh what do these people do for a living? Is there y you notice any common threads there? Um... I feel like most people work at a desk job. I'm trying to ask in a roundabout way if these are a bunch of rich assholes. <laughs> That's what I'm asking <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> mm, no, uh, I wouldn't say that. Are they pretty nice as far as how they interact with you? Like not an entitled sort of person? You get those. And it was really awkward, especially when I first started, because I just feel weird. Like some of them can make you feel re really weird. And some of them don't actually know how to react to you after the massage. Um... But in the end, in the end, it feel. What do you mean by that? React to you after the massage? Like, are 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 they coming to to you in your room, or are you going to their hotel room or something? No, no, no. They come to me. I'm, I work at a spa. It's not even connected. Oh, it's to not a part of a resort no, or anything. No. Okay. Um, and the girl that runs it, um, Amy, she's one of my great friends, uh, and she's completely away from being corporate like many other places are. So she's not attached to a hotel. She's not attached to anything. She's a completely, she's a completely separate business from Is she a hippie? No, but she does a lot of yoga. <laughs> yeah, she's a hippie. Okay, so about Amy. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> you would like her. She's tall and beautiful. Sounds all right. But uh, if we go back part. to the <laughs> type of people that come in there, uh, a lot of them, she has really good competitive prices and the people are just average people, I guess, just on vacation. A lot of them are on honeymoons. Why did we just lose him? DJ just leaves sometimes. It's not a big <laughs> deal. Don't <laughs> worry. Don't worry, but he'll, he'll be back, I'm sure. But, yeah, they're just average Joes. So um, what, what drew you to this place? How did you become aware of the uh, opportunity to work here? Uh, the mountains. I so you saw the mountains first. So you thought about, I want to get a job in the mountains? Well, I felt like I was really resetting in my life and I could do anything I want to do. So I was trying to go back to what made me the happiest in life. And it was always those mountains. And I've been out there about a decade ago and I've been wanting to come back ever since. And I finally had that chance where I could reset, restart, do whatever I want. And that's where I wanted to be. So you went to Banff a decade ago or just the same same area? of the Yeah, country? actually, my very first profile photo was in Banff on Facebook. I like the like when Facebook first started my oh, very cool. very first one. And so. what had taken you there? Um, I was 21, and we were me and a girlfriend of mine. We were living the dream actually at that time. We were driving across Canada, which is what everyone from Ontario it, like dreams of doing throughout high school. Because cars are not very common in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just because you're going from Ontario to the mountains. Like, so the dream is to drive out west to the mountains and go live there. Like, we all dreamed about that like most people actually out west right now are from ontario because it was something they've always wanted oh, to do i've heard dj express the same desire with oregon <laughs> move yeah. out west and live in the mountains man it, it, even in the u.s forget that people want to move out west to california which if you've been there you'll change your mind yeah hippies we talked about yeah, those. yeah. but uh the mountains uh, it's for sure i, I get it, it makes you feel different doesn't it like are you do you know if you're like a mountain or a ocean kind of person i'm both which is why oregon or washington state it has both accessible um i grew up a mile from the ocean regularly in hawaii we live two blocks from the beach in san diego i lived within a couple miles of the beach um 
in Japan, we live within uh, a short walk of the water. Uh, I love the ocean, and I never realized how much I like the mountains till we went to New Zealand. And God dang, it's it's all of it. It's just so amazing. So, I want to go back to uh, massage for one second, and I don't think uh, I think a lot of people, and you you'll probably say this more than I can, don't understand the power of a good massage. And a lot of people have never even had a good massage. Like, how many of your friends have you met and they've never had a massage at all? So many. So many. But you have to go back. Like, uh, one of the most interesting things I learned in school is that we were programmed to heal each other with touch. So think about it when you stub your toe or hit your elbow. What's the first thing you're going to do? I want my mama to kiss my boo-boo. No, you're going to touch it, right? (laughs) Yeah, you're going to grab it. You're going to grab it. You're going to touch it. I've I've heard um, heard this from a girl who went to cosmetology school. And they were talking about um, plucking eyebrows and that the first like waxing eyebrows and that when you pull the wax off, you apply pressure with your finger afterwards. And it has to do with the speed at which pain receptors transfer to the brain yep, exactly. and that the, the sensory stuff on your skin goes faster than the, than the pain stuff. Is that am, yeah, I, am so I anywhere near so what you were going to say? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. We actually beat the, uh, the sensation of touch will beat the pain receptors to the brain. So it'll actually block it and beat it. So every time you touch yourself when you're in pain, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, you will actually decrease the pain sensation by, I don't know, 25% at least. I mean, I, for me, anytime Valerie just rubs me or just touches my back or my shoulder, it just gives me this oh, sensation, just peace. Mm-hmm. Do you have that same thing with Sam? Or are you guys dead as a couple? <laughs> <laughs> Feels like my bones are on fire when she touches me. In a good way, or like <laughs> <laughs> we need to go to see it. No, there's which uh, bones? Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember your question. I started making jokes. Does it feel like, yeah, like that magical electricity? Yeah, yeah like that sort of uh, just a rub, uh, just oddly a soothing. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to hear you explain it that way because I've. I've never heard that. It makes sense. And that mm-hmm. It makes a lot of things. This morning, I raped my, and I call it rape. Uh, my <laughs> Have you ever raped? raped my, please, your you raped your what? <laughs> please get to it. <laughs> my kneecap. Absolutely molested it off of my body. <laughs> I was going by that desk, and my leg went sideways. And it feels like my kneecap went all <laughs> the way around my leg the you, way I had it. You know what the word raped <laughs> means, right? Man, I fucked the shit out of it. Well, it, it was assaulted. Your fingers. Um, and the first thing I did was I grabbed it and made sure a it was all alive and okay, and then rubbing it does make it feel better. So <laughs> anything, anything we touch, like um, any kind of massage, is going to bring relief to whatever pain you have. Whether um, it's a really light massage, whether it's a really deep massage, it's going to bring some kind of relief because of that factor. Um, is it going to actually make a change in the long run or deal with exactly your issue? No, perhaps not. But it should. Some kind of relief has to be made through touch. It's just inevitable. There's the touch factor. Improving circulation um, does a huge deal in your body. Uh, with doing that and moving all the liquids around, you're getting rid of toxins that are produced. Um, and like moving the lymphatic drainage system. Like, Do you know much about the lymphatic drainage a system? A little bit, yeah. Uh, that stuff's really impressive. I really want to study more about that. Because you could do... Like you press on a person as light as uh, holding a nickel on their skin and moving it. And there's lymph nodes, which are like in your neck, in your armpits, your crotch area. 
back of your knee. I don't remember if there's one in your elbow or not, but um, anyways, you pump them and activate the lymph nodes. And then you clear out like the space closest to them, move like up their face or whatever, and then start moving back down. And that will actually take out a lot of the inflammation in your body. So that will make you younger, it'll make you more beautiful, make like your, your joints move better. It'll flush everything out. It's, it's incredible. I've watched it actually for the first time ever work on customers and it's like it's super impressive. Have have you experienced it as a as a patient? Would you say a patient when you talk about No, but Cheryl, uh, one time, we all know Cheryl. We watched Hank's the wife. Yeah, Hank's wife. Uh, we watched the inflammation go down in her ankle. She asked me to help her. This was a few years back, and I was like, Cool, can I try this? And uh, yeah, we watched the ankle get smaller, like right there on the spot. <laughs> you would call that person a client, right? Someone you're working on? Thank you. You wouldn't say a patient. Sorry. Thank you. No, no, he's correcting Just me. Making sure I understood DJ's question. Yeah, no, and thank you for the work because I needed it. So, what do you find most people? So, a lot of our friends haven't gone to get a massage. Why do you? What, what's most people's roadblock? Um, I think it's, I don't know. It's you're very vulnerable. Like you're laying there, you don't have cl- much clothes on, and as much as, especially dudes, joke around about that. Like not everyone's really comfortable. Like some people, you know, they mask it, they pretend to be comfortable, and then when it comes to actually doing it, like. And a lot of men actually don't like pain, so they associate massage with some kind of pain for some reason. I, I often wonder if guys also are, are hesitant to get massages just because, man, I'm afraid I'm going to get a boner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to be sitting there and this gal or this dude is going to be rubbing on me. I'm going to get aroused. Well, it's weird because most guys, like we give them at my spa uh, preference, uh, whether they want a woman or a man, and they always ask for a woman, so they don't seem to be that scared no and realistically man i've had some very gorgeous ladies give me a massage and the last thing i care about is sex when i'm getting a good massage right i uh i i I recently had my first massage by a guy never had a male masseuse before not by any desire or choice but just never had the opportunity valerie got me a uh, pass to this place locally it's a local owned joint and the owner is a man and i'm like i'll take whoever he's like well i'm the guy available i'm like whatever man go for it Holy, have you had a man massage you before? I, I've been massaged by far more men than women. I mean, dude, the g- a guy's hand is typically going to be much larger than a lady's hand. And this dude's a pretty, pretty big dude. He could massage my whole back with one paw while he was massaging my leg with the other. Like, the ability <laughs> to completely cover me a- and massage me the way he was rubbing was, was unbelievable. Did he call you the next day? No, man, but he really, <laughs> I found it a little bit weird because at the end, I, I basically am waking back up. I'm like, oh, the lights are off. He's like, yeah, man, I like the lights off. It really forces me to feel my way around and understand your body. And everything he said made sense, but it came across completely just like erotic. <laughs> the way he was saying <laughs> it. The, I mean, it wasn't what he said. It was the tone. It was I the lights w- were still off. I just wanted to feel your body. <laughs> he's pretty obese fella, so he's kind of a little bit out of shape, so he's breathing heavy as he's explaining it to me. Mm. <laughs> was he breathing heavy the whole time? Was he breathing heavy the whole time he was massaging you? Not the majority of it. No, I've had that. With there's well there's one uh, lady in particular who I remember really well <laughs> who was just huffing and puffing. Pretty big lady. And I told her this is my first time being massaged by her. And I prefer a pretty deep massage, like more of a a sports massage. I would rather it hurt and be beneficial than feel good and just have relaxation be the the end goal. So she puts the table down low, right? So she can use more of her weight against me. 
And the whole time, like I'm usually the sort of person that I don't talk much during a massage, which is going to lead me to another another question in a minute. <laughs> but so it's pretty quiet, and all I hear is her grunting and huffing and puffing. And I don't think she touched me with many, you know, much more surface area than just the tip of her elbow through the majority of the massage. So she she really beat the shit out of me. She did a good job. But uh, yeah, she was very vocal. Have you ever had a Thai massage? Yes, those mm. are freaking awesome. Yeah, I had one not long ago. How how's your experience of a Thai massage? I thought well, Thai massage was a joke for a sex parlor. <laughs> I really, I, I'm, I'm, this is news to me now. Well, those are the ones where they will actually walk on your back and hold on to a bar. And this particular one, they stretched me out and everything. It was so good. They lay you on a table or on the mm-hmm. floor? Yeah, this this was a, a couple's massage. They did it for uh, Valentine's Day. Um, but yeah, we were on like uh, an elevated table. It was. It wasn't like a massage table where you stuck your head through it. It was just like you're laying down on a bed almost. And what I really liked was the stretching because I'm, I'm a super flexible person, and she was actually shocked, like, holy crap, you're just going all the way. Um, and that, that was really nice to have the ex- extra muscle stretching beyond the massage because I'm the same way. I like it like as hard as you can possibly get in there. Uh, and then like to have the lactic acid kind of stretched out afterwards is really nice. My experience with Thai massage, there was this dude, uh, God, I bet I still even have his uh, number in my phone. His name's Gaivich. And Gaivich, <laughs> He's from Russian. Y- you would give Gaivich $90, and he comes to your house, and uh, he worked on a lot of uh, a lot of triathletes. That's how I met him, was a triathlete friend of mine. So he comes over, puts blankets all over the floor, so you're you're on the ground, and he climbs all over you during this massage, and would do these things that, if not in the context of massage, would only be recognized as like WWE wrestling moves. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that I mean, he was a 200 pound. Uh, I don't think he was Russian, as as Russian as Gaivich sounds. Yeah, I want to say, oh gosh, Slovakia. He was brown. I'm racist, so I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> was he chugging vodka? Veronica no, is no. brown and Russian, just saying. Yeah, and she's very sweet. And I would beat her in a fight, so I'll say whatever I want. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, he is stronger than me. Do, do you have experience doing Thai massage? Uh, Katie Van Lowe and I, when she came back um, to the drop zone just like a couple years ago, her and I were doing it a lot, actually, on weather days like today, for example. We would have been in the shops and we... <laughs> Sorry, you said doing it a lot and I dropped <laughs> the mic. <laughs> we, she had a really good book and we just followed all the instructions on there and it was amazing. Actually, you should get her to do... I don't know if I just did a good thing or not by volunteering her to do <laughs> Katie it giving time massage <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> $100. Okay. I, it's I, like a two-hour ordeal. Like Each of us worked for, uh, on each other for two hours, I think. And it feels different than a normal massage, whereas like a normal massage, you'll feel sedative afterwards. I had so much energy after a Thai massage. Yeah, I after felt like the same stretching way. every body part out, yeah. And I feel like it gets even deeper just because it's the entire body weight and that heel just like digging in. It's great. Um, my question that, that I'm going <laughs> to forget if I don't ask. <laughs> Nervous. Uh, so I'm the sort that I don't usually like to talk during a, during a massage. Do you... One, have a preference. And two, when you're not talking, is your mind wandering to tons of other shit or are you staying pretty present and engaged in what you're doing? Uh, all right. So uh, I feel like that's a three-part answer. Shut up. You asked me a four-part <laughs> question earlier. <laughs> Just being honest here. Okay. So first part, do I prefer 
uh, a talker or a non-talker. Yeah. I find that men just most of the time they don't even want to be there. Their wife told them to or someone has decided for them to be there. They just pass out through the whole thing. Even if they come there on their own, usually they just they want to sleep for like that whole hour or whatever. Does anyone snore? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you feel like you've achieved something if you yeah. can get a person to pass out and feel so relaxed and comfortable with you that they're snoring. Like and usually go, like and in you a couple of sit in the corner, wait till them for them to wake up. Yeah, no, great massage, buddy. <laughs> I feel like it's massage. a waste of money if you're not awake during it. No. I don't know. I feel like you're in such deep relaxation that it's like it's like, I'm honored. Like, I, I feel like I really did my job there. What if someone farts in their sleep? Are you psyched? It's <laughs> <laughs> only happened once, and it was a girl. <laughs> was it a front fart or a back fart? <laughs> no, it was a back and fart. <laughs> into the weeds we stray. But she was laying on her back. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. So <laughs> enough of massaging Katie P. Kidding. <laughs> 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 I love you, Katie. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, okay, so but where does your where does your okay. mind go? Do, do, no, does no, that no, happen? I still haven't even answered the okay, first sorry. question. We got okay, so go. Sorry. We're up to part number five now. <laughs> sorry, oh, hold on. <laughs> distracted by farting. I'm sorry. So, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh God. All right. So, uh, I, I actually girls like to talk a lot. Like they really unload. Whether you know them, whether you don't know them, lots of women like to talk, and I actually enjoy that because it makes time like yeah, time just flies by, and it's really enjoyable. And then I feel like because I'm getting to know them, I want to just do something a little extra for them. Like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Why are you why, why are you laughing? I didn't even say anything inappropriate. <laughs> it's just like your eyes like lit up. Um, <laughs> I was not thinking but anything. I just, naughty. You want to do it's the beer? <laughs> That's not true, dude. I have only had half of one beer. But the more you connect with them and almost build this kind of connection and friendship, you want to like make them feel a little bit better in a massage kind of sense of way, like uh, work a little longer, extend the time. I don't know. I just feel like I always want to do nicer things for those people that I connect with. So if you never talk, you can't have that connection, you know? That's that's odd. That I, <coughs> I just did this massage with this guy for the first time, and I've always just relaxed for me at a massage. I don't want to talk. I want to go mm -hmm. away. It's like I said, that's the way men are. Yeah, Women I want to escape. Unload. He kept talking to me the whole time, and to the point. Fortunately, I was engaged in the conversation. Fortunately, I was like, "Man, I'm I'm enjoying this conversation." And an hour massage turned into like an hour and forty some odd minutes, and he didn't charge me any extra. Yeah, they just uh, enjoy your company. It's yeah, cool. they want to do nicer things for you. When I got done, he hung out. He like walked me out to see my car. <laughs> hey, is this your car? I wanted to talk about cars. <laughs> I, I felt like I made a best he friend. He did call you the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say you did leave him your number. I, I've been afraid to go back. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna ask for another masseuse, not because I'm afraid of the guy masseuse. Or maybe you're giving him the wrong impression. That guy. <laughs> it's like tomorrow. Hey. Hey. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that question, I know he's got you've got more parts of his question. Mm -hmm. How do I like next time I go get a massage from this which is actually which is actually tomorrow. That's Valerie gave me a certificate for a bunch of massages, man. This guy's sure, fucking pretty Valerie good. Valerie did that. Yeah, sure. Not for herself, but for you. How <laughs> odd is it? Like, do you ever have somebody come in with headphones and like wear headphones? Mm -mm. Would that be? Would you be weirded out? Because like yeah. it's man. Because I just want to shut the guy off and be like, <laughs> let me go to sleep. You know, I th I think if you just if you say, hey, I'm not feeling like I'm in the chattiest mood. I'm just really here to relax. I don't think you would take offense to that. You know, what, what do you think, Veronica? Uh, 
Uh, it might be seat. a little weird, but I feel like you could hint to him nicely. Like, I mean, just by one word answers. Like, you could take the hint pretty easily, you know? So if he tries to say something, one word answer him. <sighs> take that deep breath in. Try to relax. Um, I feel like there should be enough of a hint there. You know what? I think... Your idea, and if he doesn't get the hint, politely suggesting what Nick's is like, hey, man, I'm not feeling so super chatty today um, or right now. Because I really, it, it's, I could see it being. I could see him, like you also engaging in the conversation, and that's what made him think that it was okay to talk. Yeah, because I, I will. I, I really am jealous. Sometimes of it's exciting to talk to people. The people who can fall asleep in a massage, I want to be that guy. You will. Like, <laughs> I, I, I can't wait. <laughs> Just get in there and start <laughs> pretending right away. He starts talking, you're like, Yeah. That's not a hint. Do you, every time that I start to fall asleep, I hear myself start to make that light snore, and then I. Like, clear my throat and act like I totally didn't just fall asleep. <laughs> I totally, I do the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't, I wasn't just sleeping just now. No, no, we're really happy when you do that. Like, that just means to us that you're fully relaxed. It's so much nicer than a person that tenses up during the massage. And then you're like, everything I'm doing to you right now is useless. Why would you, like, keep your muscles tense as you get a massage? You know, like, pass out. I'll, I'll wake you up when I need to flip you over. Okay, give me some <laughs> advice about how, how much should I let a massage hurt before I ask for less pressure. Okay, so... Um, Don't be a bitch. Yeah, see... Uh, <laughs> yeah, but Honestly, that's not it. That's not it at all. I've, that's I've a huge only, misconception. I've only asked <laughs> for less kidding. pressure <laughs> once. And it was this dude, this giant fucking guy. Must have been... I don't know. It was well north of 200 pounds. And he was beating the shit... Like, he was burying his elbow in my ass cheek. Like, right in the sensitive oh, little yeah. corner spot. I've had for, that happen before. For, like, way too long. Like, if he had done it there and moved on, I would have been okay. But I, I left with a limp that I didn't have when I walked in. And, that, like... I'm, like, so stoked to explain this to you. Okay, good. Because your <laughs> ass hurt? Is that why you limped? <laughs> what? Yeah. You're limping because your ass hurt? Uh, you know yeah, how you passed out for a little bit? He raped me, too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how how deep was his bone buried in your ass? Oh, man, he was burying it super hard. And then he pulled my hair some and said, essential Don't oils. He was like, hey, take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> those weren't essential oils. I call this one chloroform. <laughs> you got Cosby. <laughs> God, I wish. Okay, um, but uh, I was like, at first, my mentality is like, I'm not a fucking pussy. I can, I can take it. Mm-mm. And then I stopped because I was aware that he was hurting me. <coughs> that it's like, okay, this, this isn't about tolerating pain now. This is about, hey, I wouldn't sit here while you broke my fucking fingers either. So can you not do that? Okay, so um, have you ever got a massage? <laughs> have you ever <laughs> got a massage? How effective is that? <laughs> it works so yeah, well. Yeah, it's way better than this. It was more fun. <laughs> I saw the waveform spike. <laughs> <laughs> she just yelled at us. Like so for, for anyone that's just listening, we hit... Uh, a, s- a continual struggle on the podcast <laughs> is people f- kind of forget that they're talking into a microphone, but we're all wearing headphones here so we can hear when the audio gets lower. So we used to try and like subtly hint to people that, still they, try. <laughs> that they weren't doing a good job. In the last few episodes, I've thrown in the, the wacky waving inflatable arm flailing <laughs> tube man move, and man, it gets people right away. So if you hear a soft voice followed by eruptive laughter <laughs> and you're just listening, you've, you've missed a beautiful wacky flailing arm move. Okay, sorry. Um, okay, so have you ever had a massage by a really, really small girl, and she's super strong, and you're like, "Dang, how how is she that strong?" Okay. I have, yes. Just bring yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it up. Okay. So yeah, yeah, I remember her. Yeah. She's like, 
Like she's super tiny and strong as well. And super strong. So the secret behind this secret strength of small people is that um, if your muscle isn't hurt, like if it's not emitting any pain, then like no matter how much you dig in, it's not really going to hurt. If a muscle needs your attention, like if the muscle is tight and hurting and needs attention to be fixed, you could press the tiniest little bit of pressure and it's going to hurt you so much. You'll be in tears. And meanwhile, you're just like one fingering it. And yes, we'll use our elbow because thumbs still stop it. <laughs> you said a joke that was obviously going to lead to more fingering jokes. <laughs> but you can go over it with an elbow and you're not even putting a lot of pressure on. It's just to like save your hands because you still want to work for years. Right. So the elbow, we're not putting a lot of pressure on when it hurts you. It's hurting because it's asking, like our body's way of asking for help is through pain. So if the, per, uh, the muscle is completely healthy, it's not going to hurt. So if you're like, hey, I don't feel any pain. I'm going to ask them to like dig in. All you're doing is making a muscle that's perfectly healthy inflamed now. And that's why your glutes hurt so much. So if something's you not... You weren't ripped. <laughs> 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 They're just inflamed. Wait, what? He used lube. What are we talking about? <laughs> um, I got lost at So if, if something... I'm, I'm still having a hard time grasping this. If something hurts during the massage... It needed it. It needed it. It's asking for attention through the feeling of pain, right? So, okay. like, you don't have to put a lot of pressure on it. I mean, we could even demonstrate here. Like, on a muscle that you use a lot, like your shoulders or something, right? Um, your neck muscles. Something, especially with skydiving, like the levator scap uh, is always in pain with skydivers. Like, we use that one a lot. And it goes from your neck to the corner of your shoulder blade. It's that little connection. Anywhere you press on it, it's going to hurt so much so much right and you don't even have to put a lot of pressure on it it's just gonna hurt like you could sit there like this and the guy or the girl would be like man it hurts so much but you're not using any pressure you're not even using your own body weight and then muscles that are perfectly healthy you could put your whole body weight on it and those muscles could handle it because there's nothing wrong with them so why are you trying to fix something that is perfectly healthy so the guy who made his ass hurt was going too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really sorry, but the, it's his glute. It's kind of like stretching. Like you work out a lot. Like you're not supposed to go into, like the way we were taught. You're not supposed to go into a deep stretch. You're supposed to go to where you start to feel the stretch, and with time, you're gonna get deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So, so hard I, to talk I to you guys. I still, <laughs> I still don't know. See, but it gets serious again quickly after a joke. Uh, but I still don't know if I know when I should say less pressure. Or should I say All less right, pressure? All right, so on uh, usually, <laughs> I always think of Carlos <laughs> when I talk about this. So I usually use a pain scale. We're taught to use a pain scale. One to ten. Ten being the most excruciating pain you've ever felt to a woman at, say, like childbirth. I don't know how to compare this to a man. I'd just say that to them, and they'll use their imagination to figure out what 10 is. And then I would tell them, don't let me get past an 8. So whatever 8 is to you personally, on a pain scale of 1 to 10, is where you should draw the line. See, I have a hard time understanding that scale, because I've talked with my girlfriend's a nurse, and I've talked with her extensively about the same thing. That when anyone comes into the emergency room, it doesn't matter what the fuck's going on with them, everyone says 10. Oh, I have a stomach, I guess a fucking 10. Mm-mm. 
No, 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 this no. This is no. what people do in a hospital yes, setting. Yes, they can't want speak more attention. Give me as they're much like, drugs as possible. Yeah. Exactly. It's a ten. It's so a ten. they're be- they're asking for more. They're over exaggerating. Okay, but I know what ten actually means. Okay. And there's no fucking way you're getting to an eight, unless you have a knife. You're not That's getting fine, to an eight. That's fine, but like I'm yeah. saying, don't <laughs> let me get past an eight. Yeah, so I'll say we'll start at a five. Up. Let me know when I'm at a five to an eight, but don't let me get past an eight because I don't want to put you in that much pain. But trust me, if your muscle really needs it. I can apply my elbow, then my full body weight, and you will feel an eight. Carlos, I was like, Carlos, what is this? 40, 40, 40. <laughs> see, see? But that, like, okay, so he's saying it's four times as painful as it could possibly be. Carlos. And wait until, wait until you break his fucking arm. That's going to be way more painful than what you're actually doing to him during the okay, massage, right? Okay, well, you're right? being so technical, Nick. Well, no, I'm just trying to say what the fuck does eight mean? Eight such an arbitrary thing. Eight such an arbitrary thing because I'm with Nick. I don't. I have once ever in a hospital said a ten, and fifteen, sixteen broken bones, not skydiving, torn muscles, ligaments. Uh, it was a. It was uh, what's that? Shingles in my optic nerve that actually was the first time I got pushed morphine. Were you shingle and ready to mingle? Oh my god, dude! <laughs> um, dude, it, it was fucking horrible. I was in the ER and the nurse said, "What would you call the pain on a scale of one to ten? And I'm thinking like a seven or an eight. I'm like, uh, she goes, "Can I call that a ten? I said, "Yes, ten. And she pushed a little button. I'm like, "Oh, I love you. This is great." <laughs> And so for me, an A is is ungodly. Okay, let me explain a little bit more. So when is I... Is that what you mean? Yeah, that Sorry. I have a realistic sense of what 10 is. Okay. So am I supposed to really go off of the 10 scale? Or am I supposed to go off I feel like you guys are really concentrating on the wrong part of this whole thing. No, I'm, so just, can I go I'm just really trying to, to understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How so, like, so Brian Menard just chimed in. He said... Uh, Shut up, Brian. One number doesn't necessarily matter. Uh, we use more than one number to see if things get, are getting better or worse. Okay, yeah, Which I can makes understand sense. that with pain management and medication. Because it's a scale, yeah. right? It's yeah, exactly. like if, if yesterday That's what I was point. Thank you, Ryan. But so yeah, if, yes, if you're in the hospital and you're at a 10, yeah, obviously the goal is to bring it down to an 8. It's, it's just to like see where you're at and follow the change. Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? So uh, when I apply pressure that I'm going to be asking you for a pain scale for is to treat trigger points. Or to find what is called, uh, so our muscle and our tendons have these like secret little points in the belly of the muscle. It's called um, spindle fiber. And in the tendon of, because uh, you know that the tendon actually attaches the muscle to the bone. Um, so in the, it's called the Golgi, Golgi apparatus in the tendon. So when, have you ever tried to pick up something really, really heavy and your muscle just gives, you must have. I've never experienced that. (laughs) You look at me like I've never tried it. Like for me, it's more likely that I wasn't (laughs) able to lift it than Nick. Okay, touche, touche. Have you a douche? (laughs) No, I know that feeling of when your muscles totally quit. That is either the Golgi apparatus or the spindle fiber signaling to the brain. I'm about to rip. This is too heavy. Relax the muscle. So um, I will either press on the muscle to find um, the spindle fiber or like on the tendon to find the Golgi apparatus or to find the trigger point. Like a trigger point is a fancy word that we use for a knot. Um, so that is why I'll be pressing on to find out the pain level anyways. And then what you're supposed to do is breathe because the pain is supposed to instantly go down. That is all I'm using that pain scale for. It's as you breathe, it's supposed to go down and I'll, tell, like, and I'll let you know. Be like, hey, let me know when it's a one or a zero. And then I'm done with that spot. If it stays the same, if it gets stuck at a number, that's all I'm using the reference for. 
So it's like a one second ordeal. Like, cool, I found a good spot that is emitting a good amount of pain. Now I'm going to apply pressure to it and wait for it to go down. Or I'm going to communicate with you to see what it does. Does it stay the same? Because it shouldn't go up, but, you know, as if you press harder, it'll go up. So that's, that's all it is. It's just for to understand what you're feeling and how to deal with it. Okay, maybe you can just answer this question more <laughs> more directly of how how would I know if I need to tell someone that I need a lighter massage? If it, if you can't stay relaxed, okay, that's a good question. Uh. If you can't stay relaxed fully, mm-hmm. then you need to ask for it to be lighter because if you tense up because it's hurting you so much, you're just wasting your money and their time. So what if you tense up in the moment? For a second and then relax, that's fine. Okay. But if you can't maintain, maintain, Did you say maintain. maintain. <laughs> that was appropriate. If you're a little bitch. <laughs> if you can't bitch. maintain. No, say maintain. <laughs> All right. This word has officially been changed forever. Maintain. <laughs> um, I forgot where I was going. If you can't maintain relaxnesses. You want them to soften up the pressure. Decrease the pressure. Okay, for that's it's a huge question I've had because I have a huge tolerance for pain, yeah. and and the whole number system go away. That makes a lot more yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, cause if yeah, if you can't stay relaxed and fully enjoy the massage still with that kind of pressure, then yeah, you're wasting your money. How important do you think massage is to a skydiver? Oh, so it's important to everybody. Everybody, not just like for sure, skydivers, 100% skydivers. Yeah, for sure. I think it's important for everybody, but let's say I just a lot of our friends will come out and make four, five, 10, 20 jumps on a weekend. Mm -hmm. Is a massage something they should get the next day or two? I mean, it would really help uh, move some of the liquids around for sure, Uh, increase circulation. That's always really good, but there's always like the common culprits. You know, like the one levator scap that I was talking about. Um, A lot of muscles around the neck. How many of us have issues with our necks? And how many swoopers have an issue with the front of their left shoulder? I was trying to heal that for a long time. One of you? Mine's mine's going right. I mean, it has been going the last few months. Daniel and Gula, I remember trying to work on his and Ivan's for like a long time. And I didn't understand why it was hurting until like I did the jump package and mine started to hurt. And uh, what I found out, I think I was telling you this the other day, was that the pain actually originated from down here. There was so much blockage there that I got someone a friction as hard as they could there. I was almost in tears, but they were doing it right here. And as soon as that released, my whole shoulder released. That didn't sound like what you had, because remember, we kind of poked around and it didn't hurt there. Yeah, I don't know. I think mine's a mix of things. I think it's it's probably but more for exercise a long time. than skydiving. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. And if it's like, especially the tendon of the bicep that we were talking about, tendons don't have a lot of circulation that go to them, so they heal a lot longer than muscles. Even when they're like super jacked, bro. Even when they're so strong. So um, (laughs) I I think uh, to kind of connect to DJ's question, let's say that I've done a rigorous exercise. Mm -hmm. Is it better to get massage... Uh, an approximal time, like uh, like shortly thereafter the, the I've finished exercise, or is it better to give a day for natural physiological things in my body to take place before I actually benefit from massage? Um, if you like, if you like, let's say when had a really strenuous day, um, you're it's going to follow up with inflammation, right? And that's that pain, like after a workout for the day or two, 
And after that, that would be a great time to get a massage because uh, wait till after the inflammation, the inflammation is, is down. Subsided, yeah. Okay, so I wouldn't want to go do some crazy workout and then jump right on on the massage table. It just depends on how fit you are because you can. I used to do it too. You know what I mean? Um, but it just depends person to person because it depends how fit you are. It depends. Are your muscles even going to get inflamed? Like maybe you use them so much and you're so healthy that they're not going to have, they're not going to be inflamed. So after a regular workout exercise, my body's used to not a big deal to get a massage. Mm-mm. But if I was going to do something way out of the ordinary, maybe I ran a marathon or something that I don't do very often. Maybe maybe uh, give it a couple of days before I get a good I feel down. like if you went and got a massage, I would do a more of a relaxation massage where you're just getting the circulation going. Um, maybe a lymphatic drainage. Yeah, Swedish. Like lighter. M- like I wouldn't do a deep tissue. Uh, Thai massage, stretch it out. That kind of stuff would be really, really good for you for sure. I, I don't think we actually answered the question of what you're thinking about <laughs> during a quiet <laughs> massage. <laughs> I want to know where your brain goes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lately with skydiving, I can wait to come out here and jump and see you guys. I was so stoked. I was carving for days in my brain. Like, I, I, was, dr- I was flying. D- does that ever lead to conversation with your clients about skydiving? Do you ever bring it up? Um, yeah, we've definitely talked about it. And how does that conversation start? I knew that was going to be the follow-up question. Okay, well, I I, I'm just... Uh, the no, only no, reason I'm asking you is, you know, I did body piercing for a long time. Mm-hmm. I found myself in a room doing a piercing on someone, constantly starting the, the skydiving conversation. Where are you from? Okay. No, it usually happens, like, where you're from. So they'll be like, how long have you lived in Banff? Because mm-hmm. people that go to Banff love Banff. Like, it's one of the most beautiful places in the whole world. So Does Banff stand for anything other than badass, badass motherfucker? motherfucker? <laughs> 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 that's, that's where I go... <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you didn't know that? No. That's a shout. Oh, Dane Cook, right? Throwback to Dane Cook. Ah, dude, I think it's before. I think it's just. I've known that most of my life. That have acronym, you? yeah. I, I heard it for the first time on Dane Cook's stand-up. That was. How have I never known this? Yeah, not a guy. Pretty much where it comes. I down love to. it. I love it. I'm gonna bring it back. Do you, uh, do you know any history behind the name of Banff? Maybe we need to ask Wikipedia. It's a national park. But does it mean anything? Like. Mm, not that I know of. Okay. Uh, Sorry. It might mean a whale. Oh, San Diego. <laughs> so one thing that I think is, are we saying Banff? B-A-N-F-F? Mm-hmm. We're saying Banff. Oh, B-A-M-F. Okay. Badass uh, mother. That's what I, that's what I keep hearing. Do yeah, you hear it too? I do, but I know the name is Banff is what I thought. Okay. B-A-N-F-F. And I just had to look up. Yeah, B-A-N-F-F. Um, yeah. So people ask you, hey, how did you get to... Badass motherfuckerville. <laughs> You're gonna have to start calling it that. I am. I like. I. I I'm trying to think of. Even like, though the spelling doesn't work. Yeah, I feel like I still have to. Badass motherfucker. 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 So they ask we you how. What brought you to Bamp? Uh, yeah, because I'll be like, I've only lived here for three months. Mm-hmm. Then they start asking more questions, and then I'm like, Oh, I lived in Texas, and they're like, What were you doing in Texas? And then I would say skydiving. There have been tons and tons of tourists from Texas. It's been pretty exciting, actually. Like I've never been so excited to be like, you're from Katy? No way. You're from Woodlands? You ha, know, some there. someday you're going to have a person who lives in Katy whose skydive you filmed. I who's going to come in and get a massage from you. Is that going to be how, weird? How crazy is that going to be? Freaking small world. It definitely gets to be a trip. Somebody's going to go in after this show and say, man, fuck it. I've been trying to go get a massage. I want to go get a massage. I'm going to go get my first massage. What type of massage would you recommend for somebody's first first time out? 
pop my massage cherry. Um, okay. Uh, depends what they're looking for, but I would start off with maybe. There you go. <laughs> that was better. <laughs> let them know that it's her first massage. That's really important um, to let them know because they might include or not include information that is really useful. One time I didn't see that someone marked that I haven't had a massage on, uh, that they didn't have a massage on my she on their health form. And they laid down with all their clothes on. <laughs> oh, I, I was going to ask that too because I'm I get totally it's naked. So awkward. Do, yeah, do, yeah, yeah. do most people get totally naked? It's fine. Like I I don't mind because I'm only going to expose areas that I'm working on. So I have no idea how I, I don't care how you're dressed. It doesn't make me comfortable or uncomfortable. Um, like underwear is nicer to tuck, for example. Like using because you can tuck the, the uh, yeah, yeah sheets into it. Yeah, exactly. But besides that, it doesn't really matter. Hmm, okay. But you need to explain those kind of things. Like, you think it's obvious, <laughs> but then, you know, these dudes that are dragged in by their girlfriends have no idea. Like, they didn't even put two seconds of thought into this. And then they're like, oh, they panic. They get on the table. Some of them just get on the table while I'm still in the room. They don't even <laughs> give me a chance to leave. <laughs> <laughs> they're just all right. And I'm like, dude, I'll just give Has you a couple Has anyone started getting naked with you? Yes. Still in the That's awesome. <laughs> the Europeans. <laughs> You're going to see me naked anyway. Yeah, I'm just gonna. So and you're just like talking, I'm and you're just still going over there, like, yeah, you should. I'm gonna start that. faking an accent, just get fucking <laughs> naked. Even with the guy that I normally <laughs> see, I'm just gonna try it out. Yeah. Nick, you have a funny accent. Yes, today. I've been to Germany, <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Uh, again, we digress. Um, so you're in town. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, sorry to yeah. answer that question. Um, I would say uh, start off with medium pressure. Um, ask for a deep tissue, ask um, for medium pressure, and then go from there. I'm shocked because I would actually, and I have no clue, I would think Swedish would be the first thing I would recommend somebody who's never had a massage. Something more relaxing. Um, I mean, uh, you're, you're the expert here. I, I have no clue. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It just depends. It depends on the schooling. The schooling is really different. Like Ontario and BC for sure that I know of. That I know of. <laughs> um, Ontario and BC, our schooling is three years. Like, we're on top of the food chain when it comes to uh, massaging. Uh, and that has everything to do with our healthcare system. Because if you wanted to be a part of the healthcare system, you want to be recognized, you need the schooling to be more serious. So it's not a six month course like here. Ours is super intense. So, when, like, that's when, when I applied to Alberta, like, I got hired everywhere just because they're like, oh, sweet. She went to school in Ontario. We barely have to train this girl because we're really, really trained. Like, three years, we know everything about m muscles and how to take care of our customers and be within the scope of practice. Wow, three um, years. I, I didn't expect it to be that. that exactly. Much. Like, my mom's a physiotherapist and she went to school for four and she was surprised at what we learned. She's like, Are you serious? Like, and a lot of people think it's a bird course and they drop out after the first semester. Like, it's really, really hard. And um, no one expects it. But in order to raise the bar, you have to raise school. And if that's taken seriously, if those people are educated, then then you can ask for more money. You can ask for it to be covered by the government. Like, you have a valid argument, right? Yes. I, uh, so most people, it's hard to answer that because yeah. I'll, I'll tell them to get like a nice Swedish massage and they're going to hate it because they're like, I felt like that chick barely touched me. Right, but I think about the, the benefits of each, right? Like a Swedish massage, the benefit is you're probably going to be a little more relaxed, a little more chilled out, but it's not a, an experience that's going to give back more to your body after you get it this initial relaxation, right? That's why I'd rather tell someone to give back because if you're going to seek for help, 
to go to get a massage, chances are you need it. So this last guy I went to, I just told him, do what you do. I don't want a Swedish. I don't want a deep tissue massage. I just need you to figure out what's wrong mm-hmm. and work me That's over. That's a great thing to say. I love it when they say, do your thing, Veronica. Yeah. And then, so I'll start off with the pressure that I think is appropriate based on what I feel. And then I just communicate with them to keep going. So a couple's massage is really stupid because you don't get a... <laughs> I <laughs> like, love couple massages. But you don't get to communicate with your customer the same way. Do like, I'll talk you to you less because you're, I don't want to disrupt your wife. Yeah, you feel an obligation to be quiet in, in mm-hmm. that, right? So you don't get that connection. You're not going to get as good of a massage, for uh, like, as for my opinion, as you would when you come in there by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that, I've only done a couple of uh, couples massages with, with Sam. There was... Um, Cute. Well, it, it was Did you guys cute. hold hands? Because so I get no, so many we customers. You walk in and they're just holding hands, no. laying there, and you're like, oh. No, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> but uh, the, the guy I was getting massaged by at the time, he was this real flamboyant, super friendly, but way over the top, chatty, gay kid. <laughs> he was probably 24. Good, good looking kid. Just real. He just never shut up. Like, I had to go there ready to have a conversation. It was like just kind of like what you were describing with this guy, how he, you, you guys talked the whole time. It didn't matter how much I didn't talk. He was, he was still talking. And then I went into this couple's massage with uh, he was massaging me, and then I don't remember who was massaging Sam, but it was totally silent the whole time. And it was like I could just sense that the massage therapists were kind of giving more space to the couple's experience. But uh, yeah, like maybe you're going to feel talkative, like maybe DJ wants to talk during the massage the whole time. But Val wants to like she just wants to zone out. She wants to sleep. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to disturb them, you know, so you like whisper a little bit. That's where your whispering classes will come in real good. Hey, Nick, give me a little more pressure. <laughs> it's uh, for Val and I, we I, half my massages are probably couple <laughs> massages and half of them aren't. Deeper. And <laughs> <laughs> part of it is is when Val and I, I go on <laughs> when Val and I go on vacation, getting a couple's massage is something we like to do. Mm. Uh, holding hands, no, just being in the same room. You should do it just for comical relief. Hold hands, yeah. uh, and the whole time. Though. <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, <laughs> you guys got to flip over as a team. You got to switch beds. <laughs> do a like a pancake. Shabam! <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, my dick's coming out because we're holding hands still. <laughs> oh man! Hold on, did you go naked? Were you N- naked? No, man. I'm always in my boxers. All right, I go down in boxer briefs. Okay, so okay, so what to wear during a massage? If you decide to wear underwear. a man thong, uh, yeah, <laughs> I would wear like shorter underwear because if they have like is it boxer briefs that, that they're tight, but they're I as pull long them up. as boxers. Okay, yeah, because if they go up to here, I'm only usually gonna like massage here, maybe an inch up as I roll it up. So you're gonna like miss this whole part of the leg. No, I uh, I wear so I have most of my boxer briefs are very form fitting. When I have uh, I have like a couple pair of worn out boxer briefs that are a little bit loose, and when I go to get a massage, I actually wear these so I can pull it. Like when I go to lay down, I pull them up like they're man panties because I have no briefs. <laughs> so I get them up there because I want man. If you're gonna rub all the way up to my glutes, I fucking rub my booty. Go for it, man. It feels good. Are you aware of trunks? Trunks? Yeah, it's not quite a brief, not quite a to, uh, a boxer brief. Trunks, man, you gotta look into that shit. 
I'm I'm confused. I'm lost. I'm wearing some right now. I could unconfuse you real quick. <laughs> no sh- no shirts came off last week. I might as well take my pants off. You know that chair is conveniently located to swivel straight to the beer fridge and True story. straight back away. I don't mind that you backed up like uh, who's that guy you just backed up like Ace Ventura Pet Detective. <laughs> <laughs> that was completely an Ace Ventura Maybe move. I'll never notice. I've tried the trunks. They ride I up on me. Really? Much. Yeah, I don't like. Hmm. What are trunks again? I'm I'm lost. It's, it's like a short boxer brief. It's a, a, a hybrid between briefs and boxer briefs. Kind of like uh, I have some Under Armour uh, man panties that are that way. They're like super short boxer briefs. I have not seen these man panties. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> can you Man-tees? model them for us? Is what he's asking. Yes, yes, I can. Okay, you go we put them on. I'll house. keep talking to Veronica. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> you uh, you're in town. You're in town actually for a skydive. And uh, it, it's it's a sad skydive, but at the same time, it's a celebration because our, our dear friend Mark Fields recently passed away. And I got to finally watch the video of his ash dive. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, we'll share it afterwards. We'll, I have it on my computer here. Super special. The uh, thing I noticed on the ash dive is you blew kisses to Matthew Peterson, and he shook his head no at you in free fall, like, denied. No, he was blowing kisses back. <laughs> Matt, I don't know. Are did you sure? Did you see my video? Did you see the angles I saw, Nick? Are you are you with what I'm looking I at? I mean, I I remember seeing. I I feel like we were both uh, like rocking out because we were like, oh my god, we've completed everything by like ten thousand feet, well, and I, you release the ashes two thousand feet later, and then we still had four thousand feet to just arch there in place, and we were both like, ah, just like smiling at every like. I looked around; people were very serious. That's well, uh, those sorts of jumps, there's always an extra level of nerves, right? An extra reason to worry about, God, I don't want to be the one to fuck this up. Yeah, but we had it. Like, oh, we crushed yeah, it. Uh, yeah, crushed it was there. It. But I, I, I don't know. I, th- I think that people that have those big nerves during or before the jump don't really get it flushed out until after the jump altogether, right? You're still in free fall. You just left the airplane with this, these crazy nerves, so you're still dealing with it. God, tell me about it. But I did notice you blowing kisses. I didn't notice the recipient. I didn't see uh, Matthew. I don't know if it was at Grigsby or Peterson, because they were both on. It was at everyone that I could possibly make eye contact with, because we were stuck there in this time. And as I <laughs> looked at everyone, everyone looked so serious and just like arching away, keeping position. And I was like, hey, this is still fun. Like, so I just started acting silly because this hand was doing nothing. You were gone. So it was just <laughs> flopping around. So I had to give it something to do. So I just start blowing kisses and smiling at everyone. And I was really stoked to just see everyone in the sky. Anyways, it was, it was a special jump for, you know, for Mark. But, like, I probably wouldn't have jumped with Grisby or Matthew Peterson, you know, or you or, what, like, in this whole visit, to be honest, like... This I, I've done this one jump. I've done this exact jump once before. It was for another dear friend. It was the ash dive, and, and that jump is much like this jump. Excuse me. You'll never get those same ten people in the sky yeah, together again. Exactly. This jump, not to the same level, and I don't mean that rudely, but we just had a couple of our friends with a little bit less experience. The jump with Dennis, it was all the all all the well all the uh, top senior staff. I don't mean top by any skill set, but by seniority, all the most experienced guys on staff, where this one we've had a range of everything because Mark affected so many lives. So I, I enjoyed watching that ash dive, and I watched several ankles, and I'm pretty sure when you blow those kisses, Peterson <laughs> is shaking his head no, and I, he might be going like, <laughs> yeah, maybe he's going, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> yeah. I'm eating all these kisses. <laughs> I don't remember but it looks that. like he's going like, no, no, girlfriend, I'm married. Oh, no, you didn't. So, 
you uh it's been in town uh mark fields is a really good friend of ours uh if you've actually been on social media you may have seen a lot of the sharing and ash dive a beautiful picture of a sunset next to our airplane did mm. you that picture jp took oh my god with the plane that was perfect how, how perfect was that man we actually uh Ma- matthew uh, bessonette matt bessonette was there and said hey dj there is a beautiful sunset out there right now and we made a pay yeah so I, I wouldn't have even noticed because we were too busy dealing with things. But it was good to have you in town and skydive with you. I think the last time I actually got to skydive with you was riding on the front of you. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Hey, Ooh. That's been your strap on. <laughs> so uh, we'll move on from that topic because it's weird now. No, uh, <laughs> you actually once upon a time went for your tandem rating. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, I hate this next statement. Girls can't do tandems is what people say all the time. You're smaller, you're weaker, you bleh, 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 go fuck yourself. Um, Scooter, right? Yeah. Is a young Aaron. lady. Uh, Aaron, man. These are small women and they crush Katie tandems. P. Katie P. She's awesome. Katie yeah, P. Rita. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they crush tandems. So all those excuses are, or are, 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 don't let a fella tell you you can't do tandems because there's plenty of big, strong fellas who do crappy tandems. Mm-hmm. Ha- has everything to do with technique to a point. You tried it. Mm-hmm. What drove you to do this? So, okay, um, I think the only reason, I was just in Australia before that, I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember, and I was in Australia, I and I was doing, like, uh, Nick Reyes was, like, doing tandems and making tons of money. To making tons of money. And um, doing hand cams, and I was doing ground crew and packing, and I went from, like, you know, being a videographer to doing ground crew and packing. Like, I, d- I wasn't super stoked, and I can jump all the time. And so I felt like, hey. kind of felt like you had taken a step back in the sport. Yeah. And so I thought, like, why am I taking a step back when I should be taking a step forward? If you want to travel like this, Veronica, then you need to get your tandem rating. So, uh, like, for example, KDP, like, ever since she started skydiving, all she talked about was doing tandems. She couldn't wait to get there. She wanted to do tandems, like, before she could do anything else in skydiving, you know? She was just on The Bachelor, by the way. I know. I saw that. (laughs) What? Really? (laughs) Are you serious? Tell the story. You, You... uh, it's just like apparently. Hang I just on, saw we're, it coming, we're coming back to that. Finish, finish your story about tandems, and then we're going to talk about it's why the fuck KDP was on the back. <laughs> it's a lot shorter than you think it is. Hey, <laughs> I've had to say <laughs> that before. <laughs> <laughs> Quit okay, stealing um, my lines. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? Again? Okay, um, tandems. Tandems. You doing tandems? You okay. were in Australia. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I took. I felt like I took a step back. So I felt more instead of like, wow, I've always dreamt of doing tandems. I've never dreamt of doing tandems ever. I thought that that's what I w- needed to do to travel and to live this life that I wanted to do. I'm like, you either can pack parachutes or be a tandem instructor. Those are your two options. Like, because not everywhere is going to need a videographer. Definitely not anywhere will they need an AFF instructor. So you want to make money in this sport. You want to travel. That's what you got to do. So then I did it. And then I, my, all my goals really changed. Um, that season and I wanted to start doing big ways and so I was like you really don't need to be doing this because I wasn't like I didn't have my heart in it I just thought I should do it and then when I gave myself a reason not to do it 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 was more of a choice of strategy than passion yeah there was no passion unfortunately for it and that's why it was easy for me to let go of it as well so I I didn't care that much I was like cool I want to go two ways with this conversation a third way would be KDP 
The uh, two things I want to talk about is, number one, the necessity of having a tandem rating and working full-time in the sport, which I believe is not 100% there, but by far makes you way more marketable and, mm-hmm. and increase your pay value. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are places you don't need it, but but it does change. It opens way more doors. And the other avenue is, but I decided it's not for me, and I love, man, I, I the quickest way to get burnt out of the sport is to do something you don't like, and then you hate the sport, and you stop skydiving altogether. And how many people do that? Oh, more, most of our friends. Yeah. I hate to say it, but well, I, I've man, almost the wrong words, but I've lost more friends as far as they don't skydive anymore. I don't see them because they don't skydive anymore, because they were bitter about their job. So, uh, first of all, do you really need a tandem rating to make a living in the sport, Mister Lot? I've been doing it for quite a few years without ever having a tandem rating. But how many Mr. Lots do you know? So I don't want to take it. I, de- I do want to go back to you now and acknowledge the statement you made, though. You're way more marketable because there is a time at the drop zone where all students are going to be grounded due to wins, but the tandems can keep going. Packers keep packing. There's going to be a time where all the tandems are in the sky, but none of them got video. So really the tandems are, are probably your easiest way to make a good living Almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. But then you can turn around and you can find drop zones like Spaceland that has a bunch of students. Man, there's guys who that's all they do are student jumps and they stay fairly busy. Yeah. On those weather days they end up, or windy days, they end up doing tandems as well. Uh, and, and you'll find that at other big DZs around the world, not just, just uh, here in Houston. Do you really think there is that necessity of the tandem rating as you travel? Uh, yes. Still, yes. Um, because places like bigger places that everyone wants to be at especially like off seasons like right now like there's a big competition you know everybody wants to go there yeah everyone wants to go to the big drop zones versus the little drop zones and so then there's a competition why would they choose you it to a point i i I get what you're saying but I'm, i'm looking at it from the hiring standpoint i don't hire instructors but i do a lot of consulting and speaking with this drop zone i think nick you're involved with a lot of these hiring conversations a little bit yeah and one of the goals one of the desires some managers have is you don't do tandems and that's actually marketable because now you're an AFF instructor. All you're going to do is AFF jumps. You're a videographer. We, we need that dedicated help. Uh, there is a market for people who only do AFF and video. All right, absolutely. Again, absolutely. not as big as a tandem market. No, exactly. So if you want to go to like Hawaii and Mexico, like, like there's a bunch of little Cessna operations, and they don't want all those other things. It's a bonus. Maybe you'll get some extra work. But like most outside video is... Like kind of a uh, dying breed, especially in Australia, right? That that movement's yeah. kind of really passed. Yeah, yeah, and it's nowhere's like doing outside video there. Exactly, and it's really really sad because that whole step of you getting lots of jumps, uh, becoming a good canopy pilot, like we all became excellent canopy pilots because of video, right? Because that's all we did. Like that was our moment. Like we got paid to shoot the video, yes, but under canopy, that's all us, right? Like no yeah. one could take that away from us. They can't. I always saw shooting a video, you're getting paid to swoop. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for sure, I'm going to shoot a good quality video. And I get the swoop on the clock. All the best swoopers were video flyers, were they not? Most of them at one point? But It's uh, a lot of them. Not not most of them. There's actually today's day and age with competitive uh, swooping. There's a lot of people who just come from a a good work background. They've made a lot of money and made their way. But back in the day. Oh, for sure. Early on, uh, all your early swoopers were commonly videographers, whether they were 
uh, tandem videographers or team videographers. It, w it wasn't uncommon at all. So, yeah, so losing videographers in the sport or having, like, a less need for them is going to affect our sport huge because how are you going to, like, how are you going to get 500 jumps that quickly to fly tandem? It's it's a huge help, man. Having the videographer, it, it, it uh, as you suggest, it actually breeds and cold or grows your next tandem instructors. A good example, you had how many tandem videos before you got your rating? Couple thousand. Couple thousand. <laughs> and in those couple thousand jumps, how many tandems did you see go wrong? A few. Yeah. yeah. I felt like I was so comfortable with the whole operation because I saw it so many times. And, and you've watched other friends go through the course who have no experience or, or limited experience around tandems. Do you really think those tandem videos made a big difference in your performance? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, said and done, how many tandems did you end up doing? You know what? I thought I did close to 100, but I think I only did like 60 or 70 <laughs> in the end. But it seemed like a lot. But I think I, I didn't do them on weekends because I was so slow. And I remember every time during the week, Nick Lott was my videographer. Just to make a point of how slow I was, he would pack in the landing area <laughs> as he waited but for me to I land. I mean, that I, that I think was your descent rate <laughs> under canopy was, was slow. So That's slow. what you mean, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so, so yeah, on, on a busy so day when you're having a short call yeah, and they're no way up there, yeah, I'm going to start packing right here no we weren't yeah. even on a short call we were just like I was, this was during the week because i wouldn't work weekends oh maybe i was just making a point to make fun <laughs> yeah, of you how slow you were yeah that it sounds was like funny. a move i'd make <laughs> you're being it a dick funny. yeah yeah but it was fun like i mean it was really really cool um like didn't, didn't i clouds? shoot video for your first real student yeah you did <laughs> yeah, i remember that i remember posting the picture and how happy you were yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> you and alex and i was like so stoked i was like oh, i feel like those guys are proud of me I felt like that was more exciting than doing the first jump. <laughs> you, I mean, I, r I remember you... Uh, being so nervous. No, I remember you being really <laughs> smiley in free fall. Because like I was alive. I was like, yes! <laughs> 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 I was alive! That drogue is not wrapped around any part of me. I don't know if you Watch remember. Watch me move my arms and legs. the first few jumps, I came out with my hand on the drogue already, and then and I would always turn me to the right. Like, And I remember Easy would even like wash me from the plane because i'd be the last one out and he'd give me tips <laughs> i dude i honestly like it's, so we've been doing these uh these test jumps they're we're basically getting our own high hop and pop pass <laughs> and i did that move the other day where i left with my hand on my on my handle i almost i almost did a flip <laughs> like one, one that i hadn't planned for oh, i wish i was watching oh, man. dude you would you would have seen me like i didn't quite fully swim but i flailed a little bit yeah, I think um, cool I think the person that made me change my mentality about that because I kept doing it because I was so nervous. I just wanted that drug out because um, after that, I felt like I could fly the canopy fine. I was like, I have the canopy skills. I'll be fine. Yeah. It was the exit that kind of terrified me um, was Matthew Peterson. <laughs> you watch one of my exits and he's like, hey, do you remember how to arch? <laughs> I just come out of the plane and arch with two hands. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, so use your other hand. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And that's when it like actually hit me in Slide second. first, <laughs> yeah. throw second. Yeah. And then it, my uh, exits actually got better from there on in. But I remember I caught like uh, thermal. And that was when like my own canopy skills kind of grounded me. Like, because I thought, man, I'm doing so good with the canopy. The canopy is the easiest part. So I always thought like nothing of it. Until I had a light passenger because I had a weight limit. And um, I was a little, little girl anyways in a thermal, like, picked us up and just, like, 
kept us maintained us at like 50, 60 feet, something crazy, like low, but high enough. And we were just going towards the runway and I was like, oh man, what am I going to do? And then as we started to descend, I guess like I either flared too late a little bit or whatever, but we took a hard hit and I took the whole impact. Um, she was fine and like, I, and I was fine in the end and I went and jumped right afterwards, even though it scared me, but that's what made me realize like, oh, you don't have as much control as you think, Veronica, you know, and you're not, the wing loading isn't the same. So you got to relearn how to fly these canopies and kind of put that ego away a little bit. Every time I see a lightly loaded tandem canopy under uh, uh, like on a high wind day when maybe, you know, maybe it's the first load, maybe the winds weren't red quite as, uh, or maybe the forecast is just wrong or whatever. And you see these canopies out from a long spot going, you know, they're flying, they're pointed towards the drop zone, but they're getting further away. Yeah. It's like, man, I'm so happy that I'm down here on my, on my tiny little cross brace canopy. You get some penetration. Ooh. <laughs> so go ahead. I was going to say, like all the openings, like we have, we have really <laughs> awesome packers at Spaceland. All my openings were always amazing. I felt like I didn't even get any line. Just they were always soft. They're always great. But yeah, I like. I was wondering if a couple of them would open sometimes because I was so <laughs> underloading them. Snivels. Yeah, and it's really not just you. It it is not uncommon on some of these tandem mains that they will snivel a long time. And I don't know if you remember, but my very first solo jump under the gear, I uh, I cried. I remember going to you and I was like, DJ, I'm really scared because that was the one jump that I was terrified of. Cried before or after? <laughs> no, before. Okay. A it was lot the of solo. <laughs> the solo <laughs> jump. Like me under 360 square feet of material, and I thought it was never going to open. Like I didn't, I wasn't sure. Yeah, they uh, the solos can be known to snivel because lighter loadings definitely don't help. And uh, there was I I, I don't want to give away our friend's name. We'll leave our other friends out of it. But there was a lot of crying in that course. There was there was a poor young lady who just didn't quite have what she needed to flare a canopy. Um, and man, you you even came to her defense. And uh, the the logic was uh, Veronica's jumping with Chris Calcott, yeah. and I was jumping with another young lady. And Tommy, like and uh, she she's like, it's not fair that I have to flare these light guys, and this other guy has to flare you. And I'm like, what did you just call me, fat bitch? <laughs> no, it was a very very politely respectfully you did it to the side. I'm like, look, they're 15 percent heavier than you. I'm 15 percent heavier than her. That is actually a standard we've been given by UPT. You have to be able to flare 15% heavier than your body weight. Mm -hmm. If you can't, you shouldn't have the rating. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, man, I felt I felt bad because she tried, and she tried hard, but she just she, she couldn't do it. I think you remember these courses. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. But I, I was going to ask, how, how often does someone not pass the uh, tandem rating course? Man, I've been running tandem courses for well over a decade, and... Yeah, that's the one person I've had not passed a tandem oh course. Oh, wow, okay. And how, how common is it with an AFF course? Oh, it's a bit higher. So AFF courses used to have a failure rate extremely high, like maybe 20 30% people would pass. And they say today's AFF course is way easier because we have a much higher success rate. The difference is, is the old failure rate had zero training. Hey, Nick, welcome to your AFF course. Let's go do an evaluation jump. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Um, where today, hey, Nick, welcome to your AFF course. Let's see where you're at and then train you so you can have the skills to pass a course. Mm -hmm. So um, were they not allowed to practice or just what didn't really happen? Yeah, no, the, it was it was a certification course. So now what we call them is training and certification courses. There was no training. There was no practice. And it wasn't really not allowed. It just wasn't a thought of process, I believe, um, where today you'll notice a lot of what 
I just bill it as an AFF course, but a lot of examiners call it AFF pre-course and course because we're doing all the practice jumps inside of it. Um, and, and that's the way it used to be. Practice jumps were pre-course, course was course. Um, and then afterwards is intercourse. Intercourse. <laughs> outer if course. You, if you do well. Yeah. I really liked the way that, that was structured, though, with your course, because I felt like I learned much more just doing the practice jumps and grinding through it, uh, you know, just kind of literally jumping into it, um, rather than trying to learn everything and then be put under that immense amount of pressure. And that was the problem with the old failure rate is, is most people never actually learn. They were like, I can do this. And I think you see it all the time. All of us have watched these courses. People show up to an AFF course like, I got this. And they come down from every jump going, holy fuck, this is a beating. <laughs> DJ's an asshole. <laughs> I thought we were friends. I actually had a buddy, Billy, land and say, I thought we were friends. <laughs> I'm like, we were friends. <laughs> There's 60 seconds. We're not friends. So I have a question for you. Um, does it make sense? Like, it doesn't make sense to me that you need three years in the sport to be a tandem instructor. I concur. And, um, like, just 500 jumps to be an instructor? No, not even that. I concur. So, uh... Is that just, like, an old <laughs> standard that, like, never got changed? It's a standard of minutes in free fall, is it not? So, for uh, AFF, you need six hours of free fall, which is accomplishable in less than 400 jumps. If uh, you're doing 60 seconds per jump, 360 jumps is, is uh, 60, six hours. Granted, there's going to be a couple hop and pops, so 400 jumps. Actual easily. jumps, so tunnel doesn't count? Tunnel does not count. Tunnel time does not count. Um, personally, I think uh, there are plenty of people who can pass the course with 400 free fall, 400 jumps. Um, I think they're the small majority. The majority of people with 400 jumps cannot pass the course. The people with 400 jumps who can pass the course, names start with Katie and end with P. Um, and Katie, yeah, Katie P. and and K hey, she's a fucking beast. But Katie did something really stupid. And what she did is she came to me and said, DJ, I'm a brand new jumper. I, I just graduated and I want to become an instructor one day. What do I do? And this happens all the time. That's not the stupid part she did. The stupid part is that she followed my advice. <laughs> and she did exactly <laughs> what I fucking told her to do. Exactly. And when she went into her course of 400 jumps, she was one of the best candidates I've ever worked with. One of the top flyers. Now, part of it is she is a badass. Part of it is is she focused on learning the skills she needed for that course. Mm -hmm. So six hours of free fall for AFF, three years in the sport, and 500 jumps, 500 ram air jumps. Round jumps don't count for a tandem rating. Here's the problem. When tandems first came about, Bill Booth and Ted Strong told the, uh, told uh, uh, what's that guy called? Uh, AFF? Uh, no, no, sorry. Uh, FAA. I got letters together. Told the FAA that, hey, man, we're going to make this tandem stuff okay. No, it's not okay. Yeah, it is. Hey, man, these guys got to have 500 jumps in three years in the sport. So the FAA said yes, and they actually have an FAA document. Part uh, There's there's a FAR 105.45.45 actually says three years in the sport, so it's an FAA-governed thing. Every year, USPA, or every two years, USPA examiners argue, what's three years in the sport mean? Some of my friends will say three years since you're licensed. Some people will say three years from your first jump. Some people will say three years of concurrent activity. In other words, you're six months on, six months off. It takes six years to get three years of experience. So it doesn't specify that it has to be concurrent? No. And realistically, uh, we just went through this argument in a standardization meeting. And I, I, at the end, said, look, guys, we've had this argument since day one of this of, of these things going on. 
do we really want the FAA to clarify a rule? So I don't think three years will ever be taken away because we have to ask the FAA to clarify that rule. So personally, three years in the sport to get a tandem rating means dick all to me. I don't think it's relevant. But we have to ask the FAA to take away a policy or to clarify a policy. If we ask them to look at it, what will they do? Make it harder, better, or leave it the same? I don't know. Tandem rating or AFF rating, you're actually teaching somebody about the sport. I, I don't think three years in the sport would be an unrealistic request to see somebody be an AFF instructor. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But don't name a person. Think of a person right now in your head that's been in the sport for 10 years, has the jump qualifications, and has no business being an AFF instructor. Yeah. Think of somebody in your head. Again, uh, f- man, Zach Boyd. I'll go straight there. He had every business being an AFF instructor before he had three years in the sport. He had the knowledge, the skill, the mindset. The kid has done well for himself. Yeah, but I feel like there's more than that, um, like like appreciating landing patterns. That like someone that, unless they've been in the sport for as long as they have, they would not understand the significance of it. Um, okay, so three years in the sport, I come out every weekend, and I make a 1,000 jumps in three years over every weekend. Or I make 2,000 jumps in two years over every day. That guy doesn't have three years, and he's probably seen more. He's probably experienced more. Yeah, but those kind of people are only (laughs) found in, like, Spaceland mostly. Like most other places, people are not getting that many jumps. You know what? You know what I mean? They're no, not putting in this much time. Not like there's all a lot the of people who do. I, I've come. I've been to a lot. I've worked with a lot of candidates who've gotten mm. a thousand jumps in their first couple years, and, and done it uh, two, three, four hundred jumps in their first year, and then went part time or full time as a videographer and got their seven hundred jumps in their second year. So I actually do see a lot of people. Uh, most of the people I rate don't come from Spaceland. They come to Spaceland. Mm-hmm. Most people who get their ratings here. Are, are like you. Hey, I came to work here. I want another rating. Or they just came, a guy named Nathan Morgan from Colorado just came just to get his tandem rating. Yeah, but I mean, like, they're not open all year round. Like, maybe Colorado is not high, apparently is. But I like, think of all the northern states, Canada, like, you're not getting people that could jump that much year round. A thousand jumps a year in Indiana. We were closed four months a year. So a lot of your Midwest and northern drop zones have an understanding of limited resources. We only have this much time to skydive. And we busted butt because we only have two-thirds or, or three-fourths of the year to make our living. What uh, what would you say the size of the staff is like? Is it like smaller staff and most people have a turn rig? Uh, absolutely. I had three rigs at that drop zone. I turned my own rig all the time, and my third rig was commonly lent to a buddy like, hey, man, you need to turn a load, go for it. Um, tandems were hot loads. I would not uncommonly do three straight tandems. You're down for 15 minutes. There's your three tandem students. I'm going to train all three of you at the same time. I'm going to put the harness on Justin and I wanted to call you Valerie, Veronica. And as soon as I land with Justin, I pick up Veronica while they take the harness off of Justin and put it on Nick. And I just do three straight tandems, land, 15-minute call. But then again, you're already working in the sport. I'm talking about like to get there. There were, um, but you're, you're talking about earning ratings. Now think about all those video guys who are trying to get there. Like They're doing the same thing Like it's the three years us. in the sport. Like, so the three years in the p- sport, I feel like you're just around the sport enough to learn so many things because you don't only learn things in the sky. Like you learn a lot of things on the ground. Absolutely. So putting in that three years, 
Like that's yeah. There's a lot of experiential stuff that's not just free fall related, is what yeah. you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah. Bill Booth is one of the uh, Bill uh, when he talked to the FAA and came up with a three year policy. A big part of it was three years of bonfire experience. <laughs> And you laugh, but you absolutely no, I know get exactly, it, right? Yeah. You know, at Spaceland, we don't have that bonfire experience, but I'm positive in Utah, you guys live through that. The, the oh, yeah. So yeah, hanging out, talking shit at the end of the day, everyone gets a chance to, I mean, because everyone wants to tell their story of their gnarly whatever that happened that day, right? Skydiver's favorite subject is always always himself. <laughs> so, yeah, I can, I've, uh, I've certainly been there for those moments and shared some of my own, yeah. So in, in kind of going back to your question, I don't think we should change a time requirement for AFF. I don't think a time requirement is three years should be there. But I also don't think it should be there for tandems. Mm. Uh, just beca- back to man, would you rather have a tandem instructor take your sister on a skydive, the really cute sister of yours, <laughs> on a skydive? How old is she now? She's about to turn 18. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so she's yes. coming back for another visit. <laughs> yes. This time I'm taking her shirt away. I'm not giving it to her. Goodness <laughs> gracious. She's DJ. still 17. <laughs> you're fucking married. Take it easy. <laughs> She'll be 18. No, uh, you're she <laughs> will be. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Man, I the first time I met Veronica's sister, she was a snowing little pipsqueak. And then I saw this picture of Veronica and her older sister <laughs> on Facebook. And I'm like, your older sister is hot. She goes, that's my little sister, DJ. I'm like, oh, God, that's so ah. <laughs> yeah, she's like 13, uh, DJ. Dude, but how many people <laughs> did you say that to? <laughs> You're the only one. No, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the pictures I'm speaking of? Do you know this? Uh, no, I'm I was not a not sex the pervert. Only one. So. <laughs> I don't so look at 13-year-old girls on the internet, so <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about. So I don't think three years in the sports... You know he's going to go look. <laughs> no, I know exactly what he's talking about. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just trying to pretend to not be a piece of shit over here. Did you just call me a piece of shit? No, I'm saying I am one and pretending not to be. Okay. So yeah, three years in the sport for tandem. I think it's kind of silly, but we're never going to defeat Hold that. Hold on, let's say you're writing the rules right now. What what would you make the rules be for for a tandem and AFF? Mm. Someone who's made so many instructors, keeping in mind that you're making rules for people much less experienced, less knowledgeable, and fucking, you know, just because someone has a, the rating and the ability to make an instructor doesn't mean they're making good choices, and they're gonna have to defer to what the written rules are. What are you gonna make those rules say? Uh, so I really have to put a context to this, and the context is: Are these rules that I would prefer, and regardless of what would happen, they would be followed? Or are these rules that, with USPA, we have to make rules that people will accept? It's a it's a uh, volunteer organization, and if the rules are too far, people will quit using USPA, and it will create a fall apart of our governing body. So, am I making rules for the sport or for my desire? I think you're making rules based on what you think will be genuinely most effective. And it has to be like the average person. It can't be that person oh, that sure. makes, makes a thousand jumps oh, no, no, no. a year. It has to be the average amount that an average person makes. Yeah, it can't be someone. It's got to be someone who's living up to the training, too, in the middle of middle of nowhere drop zone. Yeah. You know, not not the level of experience yeah. and expertise training that's provided by the rating center. So I, <laughs> I tell people that's all the time that... Uh, for a coach rating, USPA requires at least 100 skydives, and I accept it. I know plenty of people who will pass the course with 100 skydives. I recommend 200, um, and I really believe it should stay at 100 because there are so many small drop zones that rely on those coaches, and they're the people who continue to build their sport for them. So the the sport would 
quite possibly die in a lot of places without your 120 jump coach. So uh, it's not my preferred number, but I think it's a very fair number, and I think fair is what you're going for. Uh, tandem, three years in sport I don't care about. A coach rating and uh, 500 jumps. If you have those two things, at least a year with a coach rating I think is a good idea for any instructor rating, uh, whether it be AFF or tandem. Mm -hmm. um, and then for your AFF rating, man, it's. I'd like to see at least 500 jumps match that number. And realistically, I don't think it needs to go up any higher than that because we, we had this argument in the standardization meeting. The one thing that we can ask about, and you know, you argued about time, experience, exposure to the sport, right? Mm -hmm. The access to skill and the access to knowledge today is unsurmountable to what we once knew. Access to skill, number one, I can get coaching today that I could have never got 20 years ago in the sky and then top it off the tunnel. So flying skills are far above and beyond anything we imagined. So I don't think the numbers need to go up as much as because the skills have met the numbers. Um, the access to knowledge is absolutely hurts my feelings sometimes. How many people have you, Justin, or any of you guys had come up to you and go, well, I was reading on the Internet or I saw on Facebook and as much as of a pain as that is, how many jumpers are more educated and understand things better today because of it? Yeah, I feel like the uh, the YouTube videos, like when we started doing the STP Diplo YouTube videos, and uh, there's a lot of other good apps and emergency procedure reviews and things that you can get online that are awesome, but at the same time, there's also that shit that they watch on Friday Freakout. Yeah, if someone's <laughs> found good information and that's what they've got, mm. then they're probably a lot more prepared. But there's so much bad information. So there's we're a lot of bad shit, yeah. So we're coming to the instructor forum right now. We're coming to the instructor direction. So at this point, we've probably got enough ability and enough information to disseminate good from bad. So most guys coming to the instructor courses will have found bad information That's on true. Freak Out Friday. Like if they've been a, a coach for a year or whatever, like you're saying, yeah. Yeah, so they, they're going to be able to disseminate what's good, what's bad. So I don't think the numbers need to change tremendously. That three-year in the sport, I'd love to get rid of. It's the FAA. We're, fuck it. We got to accept it. A good buddy of ours, I, I love him to death, and I have mad respect for JP. Uh, JP thinks it should be three years since the date of your license. And respect. I'm not going to say he's right or he's wrong. I'm going to say I'm righter than he is. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's uh, the, the three years won't change. 500 jumps for AFF, 500 jumps for tandem, a year with a coach rating minimum, leave coaches 100 jumps. Veronica, how long did you have a coach rating before you pursued the tandem rating? Oh, God. Good question. Um, I think I got my coach rating 2014. And you got your tandem rating when? 2016. Okay, so two years. Did you do many coach jumps? Right. Uh, not really. <laughs> 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 when you uh, got the coach rating, did you think that you would be doing coach jumps? Hold on. Let me let me back up even a step further. What, did you, what was your understanding of the coach rating when you... Uh, Express interest in doing the course. Um, I think I wanted to learn how to, like, how to coach. Um, I definitely find that to be a valuable skill. I, I don't think just in skydiving. I think just in life, and I think you could apply it to everything. And that's uh, actually what I thought. And then I thought um, about my all my other ratings. That's just what I need. Uh, see, see, I don't know. I feel like I think of it a little bit differently um, than the American standard. And like, I stupid fucking Americans. 
<laughs> I grew up. What year is that? Two thousand twelve. That's two thousand twelve. It's a picture of Nick and his coach uh, getting coach ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I spent my first couple years of skydiving in Europe uh, and in Italy. And in Italy, it was like you didn't get a coach rating necessarily. Um, and you didn't talk until you had a thousand skydives. <laughs> you listened, you know. And so I came from that kind of mentality. So I didn't think I was good enough for a long time to even just like talk or tell anyone what to do. You know, so it took a long time until I thought, hey, now I'm finally starting to get good enough where I could start talking. And that mostly came from other people actually asking me. And then you're just like, sweet. Like now people can see that you have the experience or asking you questions. That means like I'm becoming that person that could give answers. Um, and I know that most people in North America don't hold that perspective, but I, I don't know. That's how I kind of grew up in Europe and it's stuck with me for a long time because I don't know whether I was just incompetent or just following those directions, but I just felt like even out of a thousand skydives, I was like, oh my God, I still know nothing. <laughs> 2000 you, skydives. Mean, you mean that you shouldn't be that person with eight jumps coaching <laughs> the person with five jumps? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> You're saying yeah. that that's not the person you want to be? No, I, I definitely don't want to be that person. Agree. <laughs> um, so you talked about, uh, I guess you, you kind of mentioned this earlier, and I wondered if you could expand upon it because I think I agree with you about uh, the experience level and ability to appreciate a good landing pattern. Oh, yeah. Wh that what does that mean to you? Oh, there's like, I mean. How many jumps did you have when you, when it really clicked about what it means to fly a good landing pattern? Or to be able to appreciate someone who flies a good landing pattern? Like 2,000. Okay. <laughs> but I feel like I'm also maybe I'm a little slower. I'm not as aggressive as most people. But I remember I downsized way too quick before, uh, for my body size to the wing loading. And I, I enjoyed the speed. I really like the speed. Doesn't mean I had any business being with the canopies at the wing loading in the sky and the space that I was at. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I went from like twiddle Ding really high with all the snow <laughs> slow canopies, then kind of getting to the middle. And then suddenly I went to all the fast canopies and I had no idea what the hell I was doing there. Well, and I didn't really understand. What canopy are you on when you had this realization? <laughs> I had, um, it was a brand Germain canopy. Uh, <coughs> what was it? Jedi. No, not a Jedi. Otis. No, keep going. Omni. Samurai. San Sensei. Sensei. Sensei 71. And I had a thousand skydives. Oh, cross and brace. I had, yeah. And, and it was the first cross brace I ever tried. That's the so partially cross braced one, right? No, it's fully cross braced, it, it's fully? but it's ZP yeah. material. What am I thinking of? Neos. Neos. Yep. Had the same mistake before. Okay. Blue Wings makes one too. It's definitely had like no business kind of being on it. And uh, Maddie Wright, he hates that I remember him for this, but I remember specifically it's got a vancouver he yelled at me because uh, they were all in brakes trying to figure out what i was going to do and i'm like oh sweet they're in brakes i'm gonna fly right past them <laughs> and land and he finally was just like that is like the second or third time we've done that like enough and he like it took that like you know getting yelled at that you're like oh my, I, I didn't even realize i was doing it like i had no idea what was going on that means i shouldn't have been there to begin with you know what i mean if you have no idea what's going on and that wing loading in that space with those canopies, then you probably shouldn't be there. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I was one of those people. Know. And it took, like, I loved that I got yelled at because only at that point did I, it actually clicked that I was doing <coughs> something wrong. And not everyone reacts like that. Um, and then I remember, I mean, I made tons of mistakes along the way, but you eventually learn. Um, and everyone learns at their own learning curve. 
But it took me a while until I was like, okay, now I know exactly. But at the same time, I jumped with you guys a bunch. I jumped with all the staff more than anyone else. I knew what everyone was flying. I knew who was faster than me. I could read everyone better. I would open up and I could count all the canopies on that plane, know where everyone is, and situate myself where I knew I needed to be. Like, and I remember even when we would jump together, you'll be like, if you open up before me, I'm going to let you land first. <laughs> you know, we had our own order. We had our own understanding because we all jumped together that much. But it, it takes a while to get there. I think there's a, sh uh, first of all, ab what you said makes absolute sense. If I, don't, I don't belong on this canopy. <laughs> I, I, I love the way you said it. It doesn't just make sense. It was beautifully said. And I want you guys to think about that. If you are under canopy and you're not quite grasping things, or you're not quite understanding things, and these things that people are talking to you about, you think you understand, but you're just not intimate with, maybe it's you're still learning. Maybe it's because you're on the wrong wing, because the wing needs to be slower so you have time to absorb this information. Yeah, and, um, like, if you're flying on the same, like, if I'm going faster than you because I have a higher wing loading, and you do spin... Guess what? In two seconds, I'm again going to be on the same level as you. Why won't you just go into brakes, let me pass, and now you have all the air you want? Because spiraling is super fun, <laughs> bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I encourage anyone. Like, uh, spiraling a parachute is fun. I remember doing that shit on my, my you know, when I was brand new. I like, I, I, I don't know who this person is that, oh, I actually know exactly who it is, but I'm not going to say their name. But that you would hear me, like, still with with 50 jumps like screaming under canopy because i was having so much fun doing spirals under canopy right but no one grabbed me i mean i wasn't in a big enough drop zone that it created the um traffic issues that it does here and there wasn't <laughs> anywhere near the structure of rules that, that we have here so no one sat me down and said hey stupid don't do that this is the, the, the you see all this airspace that you're <laughs> ruining for everybody no one sat me down. D d if I told you the story about the first time <laughs> DJ yelled at me, no, it was great. Please tell me. Okay, so <laughs> I was brand spanking new at Spaceland. Had done a, a few jumps there. This is probably my second second day on the drop zone or something. And DJ was in the air under a, a bigger canopy. I think doing an evalu evaluation. I think you were you're in the middle of an AFF. Yeah, course. if I was bigger campy, probably AFF. And so um, I wasn't spiraling in my defense, <laughs> but I was doing some very aggressive turns. And I think that I had, uh, I think I was fun jumping. And so I had, I had basically overtaken DJ at, at some point that he was out on a, they had probably left as a, as a belly group out before me. And, um, solo free fly. I bet you were doing solo no, I, free I, fly. No, <laughs> definitely, definitely not. I wouldn't go that far. But, uh, yeah, I'm flying back and, um, do, doing some big turns, doing some big turns. And just like what you described about, uh, you passed everyone because they were holding in brakes for you. <laughs> I didn't know what, uh, like, where I came from, kicking of the legs. But you're didn't, having fun. Didn't, didn't mean, <laughs> no, it didn't mean, I s like, do you see me? I I'm see you. I'm having so much it, fun. Th this was, I'm yielding to you. Kicking your legs uh -huh. meant you go ahead. So I thought, oh, he's telling me you go ahead because that's exactly what it meant where I, where <laughs> I came from. And I, and I was under a smaller canopy than he was. Granted, we ended up on the same level because I had made these aggressive turns to, to get to where I was. But then I thought I saw, okay, you go. And I was like, cool, he sees me on this. And I was flying my little pink chaos at the time. I was like, yeah, he sees me. Uh, so I'm going to go. <laughs> and uh, then he got down. And I don't remember how he uh, started the conversation. But it was loud. <laughs> I, uh... But I was like super, like, I was so... Um, 
I was so sure that I had been yielded to that I wasn't like, you know, when there's a close call or something scary happens, usually both people are aware that something bad has happened. And so mo- both people are a little turned up and ready to say some stupid shit in the landing area. But turned I was to- totally, totally turned up. Yeah. <laughs> but I was on. still totally calm because my experience of it was, hey, someone saw me on a smaller parachute, <laughs> kicked to tell me to go, and I went. I just got hooked up. Yeah. <laughs> it all, recognized it all made sense candidate. to me because I didn't realize yeah. my lack of a fucking landing pattern. I So I don't remember. <laughs> uh, the first time Nick told me this story in the last two or three years, I, didn't, I don't remember it. Um, and I've heard the story a couple times out of the last few years, and more and more of it comes back as time goes along. And first of all, I can remember when you first came back, and chances are when I first approached somebody, it would probably have been louder. Where today I think I'm going to usually be like, you're fucking stupid. I'm just not going <laughs> to yell at you when I say <laughs> it. Um, but I remember the thing that frustrated me the most was not w- passing. It was the erratic, like, what's he doing? Is he going to do one or the other? Make up your mind, because he was flying erratically. And that was the hard part for me, and that's the hard part. Uh, Nick, I'm so sorry I yelled at you. That's fine. I've, I deserve I it. You. I've s- whatever shitty remark you said to me, I've said at least ten times over to other people, and I know better. <laughs> I bet you he's kept this inside brewing for years, and he is going to come out soon with some vindictive. Oh yeah, I'm gonna Pat. murder you. <laughs> yeah. The next, uh, the, the He's next. He's just pretending to be your friend right now. He's like, yeah, I'll do a talk. If show I die in the next 48 hours, like this is gonna <laughs> no, be the, evidence in a court case. <laughs> the next, uh, the next planned cutaway. I've got a plan of my own. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking kill you. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I because I up, came up, from. Up, a, up. He's checking my gear. I'm um, these. Um, you, but freak. <laughs> but I <laughs> no longer doing gear checks. But just to, to talk up the Spaceland program a little bit, that these students have to draw their landing pattern on every dive flow sheet, right? I never had to do that. My explanation of what a landing pattern was was eat the carrot from the small end. <laughs> That's all I got. They they may have talked about it more the my very first day that I did solo ground school, but no one made me draw one. No one made me understand why. No one made me understand the flow of traffic. They other barely parachutes. barely understood it themselves, like, probably. And, and there's a good chance that that's true. But um, I expect our students and jumpers to have a higher level of understanding than than I did because the program is so much more thorough and that it's you know it's more jumps. It's a lot more instruction. It's a lot more testing and paperwork and making sure that you have a thorough understanding of the important parts of skydiving. And so um, I expect our jumpers to do a better job than, than I did. But sure. um, I'm going to volunteer you and me that if anyone who listens to this doesn't have a good understanding of what their pattern should look like or just has questions about how they can fly a better pattern, that we're going to show them an aerial map and talk about uh, awesome, what yeah. works well for, for and one spot. I feel like spiraling is okay, but don't do it in where you're supposed to be starting your pattern. It's not okay. Like you have... Do it on a hop and pop. Or like somewhere <laughs> further away where you're no. not. Okay, never. <laughs> no. Don't listen. Uh, do it on a hop and pop. So I, I, I'm not to really be argumentative, but I will argue that point. And Dan BC, I think you know the name. Uh, Dan BC is a general manager at Paris, six-time world champion. This guy has got yeah. a, a, a pedigree that's huge. He wrote the Stop Turning article, right? Yep, and that's <laughs> exactly. Brian Burke is a safety and training advisor at Skydive Arizona. He was also on this bandwagon. Myself, a guy named Tony Hathaway out of Florida is on this bandwagon. Stop spinning. Turn less. Uh, no turn over 90 degrees unless you need it. Do 180s to avoid your friends. Do A360 to work on vertical separation when necessary. 
but the average jumper's canopy's descent rate is going around 13 to 15 miles an hour, just forward speed, full flight. One revolution increases your speed to 55 miles an hour. You don't go much faster with a second revolution, but you sustain 55 mile an hour vertical speed, and then when you come out of it, how many people did you pass? Would you recommend somebody on the freeway go 15 with everybody and that person immediately gun it to 55 and hold it at 55 for two or three seconds and then back off and see what happens to traffic? And that's what people spiraling in the pattern really are doing. So in normal patterns, limit your turn. The awareness you talked about, I love what you said to Nick. Like I knew where everybody was because I jump with you a lot. But it's also because one thing that tandem video guys do is come back from long spots on every fucking skydive. You don't really have a choice. So what you typically do is you fly straight, you observe. If you guys had good spots and spiraled all the time, would you have became as vertically aware as you became? Mm -hmm. So that lack of spiraling, number one, is going to make a safer and easier to manage vertical separation thing. Number two, your awareness is going to grow tremendously by minimizing your turns. Mm -hmm. So sorry to, to beat you up on that one. but that, know, I didn't care that much. Yeah, this is <laughs> one that, th this is a conversation, a seminar I have regularly. Every canopy course here is it, and it's a, it's a regular inserted but seminar. I also think like it's important. Like someone once, when I only had like 100 jumps, told me, count the canopies. Know how many people are on the plane. Count the canopies. Know where everyone is. Because that one person that you have no idea where they are is that person that you're going to bump into. It's not going to be someone you know, <laughs> like where they are. Yeah. It's usually going to be that person that's going to blindside you. And th that's a really scary thing about about the person who's spiraling. This is what I hate most, not most, maybe second most about the person who's spiraling, <laughs> is they grab so much of my attention that it makes it harder to give each mm. canopy the equal amount of attention that they deserve. And now, because I'm watching this person being freaked out about what the fuck they're doing, this erratic flying that I was guilty of. That yeah, now, now I'm not paying as much attention to this canopy that's maybe approaching from a little bit more of my blind spot, and now I'm getting close to that person and I don't see them because this person is stealing more of my attention, and it's hard <coughs> to give up that attention once someone's earned it, right? Once you mm -hmm. see this crazy parachute doing crazy things, and you know the person who's flying it isn't the smartest, you know, they're not the sharpest tool in the shed. Because <laughs> instantly you judge them. <laughs> yeah, for judged. sure. But I mean, you judge don't them based ask. on every yeah. landing you've seen them do. <laughs> every one of your friends who said, "Yeah, I totally got." DJ'd. <laughs> DJ'd by, <this laughs> by DJ. Thank you. And um, so, so you start you start putting all of your attention on what fucking dumbass McGee is is doing over Especially here. Especially when you're they're on a load and you're like, oh no. Yeah, and you they're see, yeah, you see him on the plane, and you're like, oh fuck, I know how this is gonna end. Yeah. <laughs> this is not but gonna be a good swoop kind of jump. One of the things that you hit a good emphasis on a second ago, though, is vertical awareness. And one of the things we do well in the sport is we preach vertical separation, but to get vertical separation, you must first have vertical awareness. And isn't spiraling completely giving up vertical awareness? Completely gives it up. I never really thought about the thing that you said is, I'm now extra focused on you spiraling. That's an absolutely strong statement. Mm -hmm. So I'm not focused on other people. But as new jumpers, you, you've said a few things. Vertical awareness is super important. You need to be paying attention to everybody. Jumping with the same or around the same people. One of the benefits of us doing four-way jumps together all the time as a four-way team is we're going to get better in free fall. We're also going to get better under canopy because you now know the behavior of three other people with you under canopy at all times. You might not always know what they're going to do, but you're going to learn what they're going to do. You now learn to land better as a group. Now your vertical awareness grows. And, and as a new jumper, look and just keep track of the people in your group, and that's all. 
if you know where everybody in your group is most of the time, you're focusing mainly on total awareness. You're just scanning for your homies every now and then. Then if you can do that, add the group in front of you because that's the guys you're, you're going to run into. Once you're good at tracking a couple groups, then a third group. This is going to take hundreds of jumps. You, yeah. you, you said that yourself. <clears throat> but, man, vertical awareness uh, by, A, trying for it. Vertical awareness by not turning tons. Vertical awareness by not being a distraction by turning tons. I think so. you're all super strong arguments. Uh, and I think a lot of that boils down to just having the initial awareness, the realization of holy shit, I have the ability to move around, I'm sharing the air with other people, and that that gives me responsibility. Yeah. I think that that was something that, like, when I first started skydiving, it was just like this crazy freedom that I had never had before. And so it was. I was super self-centered. Like, once I was out of the airplane, once the idiots that were in my way that needed to get out of the airplane before me, they're gone, right? And now I'm out, and the whole world is revolving around me and my skydive that's happening. It's like, it w- it's so easy to forget that Oh, there are 22 other people scattered around in this mile-long line, and we're all going to open up parachutes and try and land in the same little spot. <laughs> yeah. And I need to start thinking about those people, where I'm going to be when I open, when I open, where, I, where am I going to meet up with these people? Just realizing that there are other people and that they are things to look for, I think, is a is a big step in in making all of the later things make sense. Mm-hmm. And having a plan, like not having, like having a landing without intent, without a plan. You're not learning much on it. Like the more plan that you have, the more spots you have, the more awareness you have. And the whole skydive is going to make you a better canopy pilot. So you want to become, you want to pretend to be a good canopy pilot. Like know those things. <laughs> yes. Right? Fake it till you make fake it. Fake it till you make it, but at least fake it good. One, yeah, fake it real good, girl. <laughs> One thing you said is have spots. You're saying not just know where you go, but know how you get there. Yeah. So, I mean, if that's going to be altered because the wind has changed and that happens a lot like be ready for it um don't be a victim just be like all right sweet i couldn't get to my the wind pushed me there (laughs) 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 fly your canopy you know and never stop flying so like if you don't get to your next point or your first point then adjust like start away start adjusting and the more you could do that like someone like a canopy pilot actually taught me that and that's when i feel like i actually started learning is by following those rules I know with swoop coaching, one of the first things that people get focused on right away is I need to do the most consistent turn I can. I need to I need to turn here and make it right here every time, all the time. Well, like, bro, you need to actually get there the same time every time if you want the same turn. Mm-hmm. I earnestly believe learning to turn a canopy close to the ground is not nearly as hard as learning when to be there on time. Getting those pattern checkpoints. I need to be here by a ground. I need to be here by 1,500 feet get you there in time and you said if i don't make first checkpoint i can cut off the second checkpoint mm-hmm. having that plan ahead and it, it it's not just high performance guys if, if one day you want to be a high performance campy pilot the people who have the most distinct known pattern points typically learn to swoop real quick and real easy mm-hmm. and i watched you struggle for a while learning to swoop <laughs> yeah. what was the change that actually suddenly got you to be well, I went from a uh, like PD canopy. Oh, man, it's the JVX. That one killed me. That wasted like a thousand skydives. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I went from PD flying canopies um, and a katana, which I really enjoyed the angle of attack on. Mm-hmm. So I understood it. Um, and I spent a lot of time on it. And then I went to like a flatter canopy, the JVX. Had no idea what was going on. Like it didn't have the same angle of attack. I couldn't. Tra- I couldn't transition. Like it just wasn't clicking for me. Like I couldn't consistently keep it the same. And then I went to a, a 
no, why not Velo? And then things started to make sense to me. And so I understood that it, I fly better with a more angle of attack. Trim, by the way. More is trim. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. With a steeper right. trim. With a steeper trim. So I, I wonder, because during this whole conversation, this process, you've talked about at some point a swooper, a canopy pilot, got you into the idea that you need a better pattern. You need to know these checkpoints better. Do you think flying a more distinct pattern and knowing your altitudes to get there better made a difference in tuning that turn in? Oh, well, everything. Everything okay. had something to do with, like, the building of the canopy skills. I mean, I don't know. I don't think girls are the fastest learning under canopies. Like, I think dudes are. And that's not, like, a bad thing. I'm not saying you anything about it. sexist way. piece <laughs> of <laughs> yeah, shit. Well, but if you think about it, like, when we're kids, we're not, like, girls and boys are not playing the same kind of games. You know, we like we're not judging distances. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm going to turn you into a transphobe <laughs> real quick. I know. No. <laughs> so really, you know what I mean? Our depth perceptive, uh, uh, our depth perception, like, like video game playing, like things like that. Yeah. Boys do differ from girls. It's commonly also a nurture versus a uh, aggressive personality. Mm -hmm. Men are competitive, so we're constantly pushing. Women are nurturing and trying to slowly grow it. Yeah, and so I, I felt safer, like, knowing more about my canopy before I generated the speed. Don't I make mistakes? Yes, of course, everyone does. But um, in in general, I just, like, uh, my learning curve was, like, shorter. Uh, I mean, I'm much longer, much longer than a dude's, perhaps. Um, I think it like, took me 300 jumps to even figure out what the canopy was doing. <laughs> so, I, like, don't feel bad if you suck at 300 jumps. You will get better. I you was know? just like, laughing that mine's a lot longer than a dude's. That's, I think, the comment <laughs> I was... I think we all were laughing <laughs> at that. I, Justin and I made eye contact somehow awkwardly through that. You got a long <laughs> one, Veronica. No one, no one argues that. It's real long. It, it, taking your time, <laughs> being aware, uh, looking and knowing what's around you. Really, a lot of these things hel uh, helped you. There are a few things tonight I really wanted to dig into, and we never got into all your travels because you've been to a lot of really cool places. Yeah. Um, we've gone from a four-hour to a two-hour show, and I think that's, A, helped us keep our mm -hmm. sanity way better. And number two, it makes almost every show end with a statement. Next time in you're in town, we got to do this again because <laughs> we got yeah. so much more to keep catching up with. Um, before we start wrapping up and before we start asking those final questions, I want to um, uh, remind everybody Safety Day is coming up. Safety Day at Skydive Spaceland Houston is going to be aired on the interwebs. So you can check out the Rating Center fan page and tune in to that. But uh, best of all, man, go to your local drop zone. Get involved with Safety Day. If your local drop zone doesn't host one, find one nearby, go to it, or, or go to our fan page. But uh, being there in person is, is by far the best way to get involved. So check that out. Uh, we are looking for some new computers. Uh, the computer we use to produce the show is never meant to do what it does today. So if you have a company or a business building computers and you want to talk, send me an email, monty at gravitylabradio.com or direct message on Facebook or any other way you know how to get a hold of me. And I would love to work on a maybe advertising thing with you, do a little ex work exchange there. I'm glad you resurrected <coughs> it. Uh, oh, yes, man, I am, too. Driving you crazy? Uh, no, it was not. That computer was not working for a minute. Um, Still a decent amount yeah. of heat coming out of this bitch. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> so definite, uh, the thing I really want to hit on, though, is uh, what's coming up on, uh, 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 what day is that, Nick? Uh, April 13th April and 14th. April 13th and 14th. Yeah, what's going on? That would be the, I'm going to fuck up the name now, Gravity Lab Karaoke <laughs> 
Flight Night Flight Extravaganza. Is that did I get it? Gravity Lab. You actually made the name Gravity Lab Karaoke and Fight Night Flight Extravaganza featuring Jeffro Provenzano. Approved by Glenno. Get out of town. Yeah. So I uh, love that the the banner had the asterisk that said (laughs) approved by Glenno. Oh (laughs) man, we had to do it. We had to do it. Is Jeffro a good singer? No, Jeffro is probably not going to be doing karaoke based off some of our text messages. Back, like he's like, I'm not sure about the karaoke part, bro. I'm like, it's all good, man. It's liquid a, courage. If you see me do karaoke, you'll be fine going up yeah, after me. There's going to be alcohol there, right? <laughs> For sure, okay, man. Yeah. We're gonna have a good time. So this I'm year, get white girl wasted. We are gonna have it hosted. <laughs> well, you promised to have more than one IPA. I did in not. Each. I did not promise that. He said, "We'll see." I said, I'll let you know how I feel after this one. How do you one. feel after this one? Fantastic. <laughs> you want to have another one? So we're going to have this karaoke <laughs> night uh, with a DJ. That way we can all hang out and party with everybody. So we are accepting donations. Hit myself, Justin, or Nick up. You'll see us in person. Um, uh if you want other ways to donate money to it, let me know. I can probably want to donate money to me. PayPal, me Veronica, <laughs> hit her up. Uh, the flight extravaganza part for me, I'm the most excited about. Jeffro Provenzano is going to be in town, jumping with everybody. Uh, Tex is going to be free flight and angle organizing along with Laura Wagner. So we have some really dope free flight organizers. Josh Sherrard and a to be determined belly organizer, uh, intermediate. We're going to look for something a little bit more uh, a higher skilled as well. Uh, we have Jeremy Carnop organizing wingsuits, DQ organizing XRW. So we, we have a little bit what of everything. What a fucking cool weekend. Fuck yeah. Make <laughs> it out. So here's the thing, guys. When you come out, we want donations for the for the karaoke DJ. There's no charge. There's no boogie fee, no registration. This is nothing. This is not an event as much as it is just a good time, a party for us to throw. Now, Jeffro's involvement, my involvement, Nick's involvement, Justin's involvement. We're just going to skydive with whoever the hell we feel like it involved with this day. We're going to be out there. Nick will probably shoot some cool video here and there. He can probably join more things than me. Jeffro can join the most of everything. So we'll belly fly with some of you guys. We'll free fly, wingsuit. It doesn't matter. We're just there to have a good time with you guys. So please come out. Join the party. UFC 236 is after karaoke. Two uh, interim title fights, man. Super, super uh, good-looking card so far. Marlon Mahoney, I expect you to be there. So uh, is check this it party out. here at your house? No, no, this is at the drop zone. We're gonna throw up a hundred inch, <laughs> hundred forty four inch big screen projector. Fights on it. Is Greg's bigger than yours? I Greg's is bigger. Okay. Yes, it is. Mine's a hundred. His is hundred forty four. Dang. Yeah, his is bigger. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, check it out. Do that thing, Veronica. Really appreciate having you here. Any, Thank you. Anything else you want to share with our friends about massage, skydiving, being a chick, or just being like my sister's doppelganger a little bit? <laughs> um. Yeah, actually, I think that setting goals is the thing that gets you the furthest in skydiving. So set some goals, go out there and do them, and don't give up when it doesn't work in your first attempt skydive. Do you think you should have a, uh, what's this board called? Vision board. Yeah, vision, vision board. board. <laughs> I already you you know what's funny that I never cop to through all this vision board discussion? I totally fucking made a vision board years ago, like 2012, 2013. My trapper keeper was my <laughs> vision board. You didn't let me finish. I didn't. The goals on my vision board all came true. Congratulations. Awesome. That's really cool. You're six foot tall now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you what was on it? Uh, there were some financial goals. There was a goal with iFly and being in the tunnel. There was a goal I had uh, in, in my head. I, uh, part of my vision board was me in Dubai. And I guess I wasn't super. I thought I was going to go work in Dubai. So I guess my intention of making this part of the vision board mm-hmm. and how it actually came through, I did get to work in Dubai just in a different uh, capacity than than uh, than what I thought. 
And uh, fuck, there was a fourth one. You put me on the spot. I'm not going to come up with it. But I'll try and find these images for you. My vision board has been cars, and they're in my garage. Like, I actually have two goals in life with, with outside of living old to be with my wife, and it was buying the two cars I own. So I made my vision board work. You have a vision board? I know I don't actually have a vision board. But <laughs> I, I like Jimmy Wynn. You're a liar. <laughs> have, having a goal anywhere <laughs> other than floating around inside your brain, whether you're making a to-do list, whether you're going to have it, have it on a photo, whether you're just going to tell your friends about it, just have it be somewhere other than in your brain. Yeah, yeah, you tell yeah. your friends, someone else is going to hold you accountable, you write it down, you're going to think about it more, you're going to see it, you have that vision board, then you're going to Yeah, I feel like life like with Jimmy a Wynn. goal, life with intent is a lot more fun than life without one. And uh, read Mind Gym. Read that book. It's awesome. Mind Gym, G-Y-M, like yep. workout gym? Yep. Cool. Uh, man, goals for sure. You've got to have them. You've got you've to use them. You, they motivate you. They make you better. I love it. Mr. Ginger, I can't think of your name right now. The that's, guy's that's close enough. Yeah, yeah. What it's on my collar and my shirt. How often do you actually <laughs> forget people's names? It's crazy. All the fucking time. That's so bizarre. I have a great memory most of the time. Like, there, there are certain things that you could ask me locked in my brain. Like, FAR 105.45. What the fuck do I need to know that number for? <laughs> Justin, his name I couldn't remember. <laughs> Rude. Uh, this weekend is a Spaceland Transitions weekend, rocking your slot across all Spaceland locations. Free coaching, mm. check it out. Free Get coaching, it. Mr. P. Um. Oh yeah. That I got nothing. Oh. I was trying to think of a really shitty shithead response. We got to talk about karaoke night. We got to talk about scheduling a DJ. We'll do that off the air. White boy, play some funky music. Guys and gals, Veronica Wolf. Coming out to Gravity Lab Radio. Thank you so much for being here. Check out Safety Day, March 9th, your local drop zone or the Rating Center fan page. Till then, blue skies. I'm out. And a Smurf.